I like how she uses this for work all the time. So you could have just went, hey, Mel, can you show me how to use this? And it would have been done, but your ego would not allow it. Oh, no, I did. I did. Don't worry. And she just yelled at me that there's a place to plug in the fucking headset. Romance. Something crazy just happened to me. Guys, hold on. Uh, everybody, everybody come here who's not Richard. Do we ask him what it is again? Because I did not like the answer last time. It was very sexual. I think we have to. Do we have to? Yeah. It's important. Uh, Rick, Rick, you ask him. I don't want to. I don't want to. Guys, I got something really important that you're going to like. Yeah, what is it? RJ RJ wants to hear it. RJ, especially. You know what? I'm going to tell you first. RJ, come sit on my lap so I can tell you the story. Oh, okay. It is wet. Why is everything always wet? Because I was abducted by aliens. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm more confused why that justifies the wetness. But go on. Well, first, when they brought me up to the ship, they were like, "Oh, you're the perfect human so we have to take the perfect human up to space and i went oh i'm the perfect human i didn't think that and then they Wait. lathered me in oils right away and i was like dude, dude they said off. you're the perfect human yeah all right yeah i understand in, in perfect english they said you're the perfect human let's make him wet <laughs> <laughs> yeah well they didn't say let's make him wet they lathered me in oils and i was like guys take off my clothes if you're gonna lather me in oils you know, you can't just keep them there. They didn't understand clothes. Can you believe it? They said those come off. Okay. And you didn't dry before you put these pants back on? Oh, that's oil. Oh, okay. So it's ruining my clothes right now. Got yeah. it. Yeah. It's alien oil. It comes right out. This was like three hours ago. And I came back here, decided I'm going to do all the research I possibly can on alien abduction. The first case of alien abduction ever. You guys ever hear about this? Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, I have. This is a good one. I don't remember them being greased up in oil, though. Well, that was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you got you got special treatment for yeah. being perfect human. <laughs> yeah, I am the perfect human. I didn't know that. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> None of us did. Jesus. Yep. Hmm. Is that the bar, really? An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? But maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Ask him who he is. A traveler. From where? My world hovers just above the ceiling of your universe. It is not a planet. It is an amplification of light, some of which radiates from your stars. How? How did you come here? I am more urgently concerned with the question of how I shall survive here. If I remove my shield... Please, please, you may do. Well, Bobby, meet RJ and Rick. I know you... Uh have met them through the podcast but here they are uh, from listening marjay it's nice to meet you it's nice to meet you too rick rick <laughs> nice to meet you too what? Hey, i was Jesus. confused because he said i'm rj <laughs> I, I mean also nice to meet you but i was holding in i was holding in the the, the was, i'm rick because was, he just blurted out i'm rj i was, was like, i was confused by the normal human interaction <laughs>
Rick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've ever listened, but clearly what I say is not edited. This is just how the fuck I am. Oh, no, yeah, I get that now. <laughs> Is it, uh, yeah, I just make myself look bad. I don't know. Oh, God, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in a good mood, boys. <laughs> great start. Great start. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm so confused. I thought we did Betty and Barney Hill. How do I know this one? It's a fa- it's the most famous alien abduction ever. Well, I don't know about that. Well, um, right. at least in my world, yours is. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> considering it's directly affecting me. But... How wet were Betty and Barney? That's what I want to know. I'm going to go with very, and we'll talk about why a little bit later. Aliens are fucking awesome. I, I, in cult, in like movies and shit. No? Mm-hmm. I think in real life, they're, they're awesome too. But we don't well, see them. Well, no, we right. don't see them, but there is evidence. Okay. I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a fun episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still siding with Richard eight a ton of fried food and fell asleep watching Outer Limits. <laughs> Chicken grease. No, this uh, this this case I picked, I wanted to do, it's our season finale, guys. Just so you guys know, it's uh, season three, Ooh. done, episode 50. So I was like, I want to do something big and I haven't done an alien one in a while. So this is like the first documented, widely media sensation of someone getting abducted the first ever like created all the stereotypes for this and like i say widely like reported on and i mean like i'm sure people said they were abducted by shit before this like angels or some shit like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but like this is the first time aliens were like the thing said after roswell the collective consciousness was being like smashed with ufos so it was just bound to happen this urban legend is just these guys. These are the ones that I say urban legend, but it could be real. Who the fuck knows? We'll talk about it. You guys tell me this is the most credible one out of all of them that they say, because these guys aren't fucking crazies. As you'll see, they're not like backwoods hicks. They're like respected members of the community and didn't even want people to know about this. They're just trying to get fucking help. So they would forget about it or move past it. So this one makes it crazy. They didn't even want to be, they didn't want popularity from this. They just wanted, they went to a fucking psychiatrist. So before this one, were just none documented where they actually researched it and like got the people and talked to them and tried to figure out. Yes. Exactly what happened. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So media got a hold of it and actually heard their story from it. Well, we'll talk about, but yeah, this is the first widely from the media. I'm sure there were others probably between 19, like 51, I believe Roswell and this but like it was probably just like there was some lights in the sky or something and dummies that live in the backwoods of nowhere didn't realize it was somebody shooting off fireworks <laughs> or whatever exactly so since 1961 there have been many people claiming they've been abducted by aliens or are now fearful of being abducted by aliens i'm sorry are betty and barney an interracial couple they are yeah get the 19- fuck out yeah we're, we're so progressive it's part it's actually part of it yeah nowadays alien abduction is actually like people believe it it's so part of like the mainstream culture that like before i get started on the actual case i found out you can buy fucking alien abduction insurance <laughs> you know what i mean what? yeah you can buy insurance how, uh, how much yeah uh <laughs> we'll talk about it so there's a florida-based company called saint lawrence agency and it's had alien abduction insurance since 1987 
Uh, customers can buy this and they're calling it a gag gift now because you'll see why in a second. This gag gift insurance for $24.95, which is a lifetime premium and includes a $10 million coverage against multi-dimensional joy rides and sarcasm from immediate family members. You can also qualify for double indemnity coverage. If, I don't even know how to say that word. Uh, if any of the following occur, the aliens insist on conjugal visits. The encounter results in offspring referred to as the missing link. The alien refers to you as a nutri uh, nutritional food source or the other white meat. If you can provide proof of your abduction and return the claim form, you will get paid out. Three people have been paid out. The problem is it pays out $1 a year for 10 million years. So if you've only had the policy for three years, people have called in and been like, I want my policy. Like, yeah, read the fine print, buddy. And they got five bucks. That's kind of awesome, though. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like a funny, stupid thing to get someone. But I mean, uh, if you can keep that in the family for 10 million years, you'd be rich. Yeah, because uh, 10 million years from now, <laughs> fucking $10 million is going to be worth so much. <laughs> Inflation stops now. Uh, <laughs> there's a famous case of alien insurance. That's how I got to it. All 39 people who died in the Heaven's Gate cult had bought more serious $1,000 insurance policy that protected them from alien abduction. The brokerage that sold it to them was called Goodfellow Rebecca Ingrams Pearson. And they, uh, after that, they had to stop offering alien abduction insurance uh, coverage because two days after the cult committed suicide, people were like, um, we want cash in. They went up to a spaceship because that was like their whole deal. If they committed suicide, they were getting up to the spaceship. Um, so <laughs> they had to be like, we don't offer that anymore which is fun that someone told them that and then let them eat poison. <laughs> if you still want to talk to these guys, they can still offer you other kinds of insurance though. They still have like protection against turning into a werewolf, covering virgins against immaculate conception, stuff like that. So get in there, Bobby. Jesus Christ. Yeah, is, there, is there insurance for, for the depression I feel about not being a werewolf? Ooh, that's a good question. You're gonna have to call them up. Okay. I wouldn't doubt it at this point. <laughs> Depends on what you want to pay. There's insurance for everything. How much are you going to pay yeah. me? I'll, I'll insure you. Hmm. <laughs> How much does this work to you, RJ? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So this whole thing started from a couple, like I said earlier, they're named Betty and Barney Hill, 1961. Betty and Barney Hill are considered the first American widely reported instance of alien abduction. I told my wife about this case. And the first thing that she said to me was like, isn't that all like just stereotypical? And I was like, yeah, it for sure is. Because that's where the fucking stereotypes come from, is this case. The Hills were respected members of the community. They weren't some back Hills hicks. They were just looking for attention. Quite the opposite. The Hills didn't want anyone to know what had happened. Uh, but since they were having so much trouble after the abduction, the couple went and got hypnotic regression therapy. And those sessions were taped. The transcripts of these sessions were printed in a book by John G. Fuller called The Uninterrupted Journey. After the abduction story was mistold in a Boston newspaper the year prior. So it wasn't right away that they released the tapes, but we do have the tapes now to listen to. I read the book. I listened to all the hypnotic tapes, scoured the internet. I did a lot more than I typically do for an episode for this one. So... As I tell this story, I'm going to play clips from Betty and Barney's hypnotic sessions so you guys can see what they were having to deal with in their own words. So there's going to be a lot of, there was a lot of this going on. Little deep 
deeper and deeper, deeper asleep, far asleep, deeper and deeper, fully relaxed, all muscles are relaxed, you're comfortable, relaxed. So the, uh, the audio from the hypnotic sessions is like from their fucking sessions way later. So it's not exactly the story as they told it originally. It gets a little bit changed, but I'm going to go like kind of just throw it in there because it adds color. That's fun. Barney, when you're listening to these, Barney sounds out of it. Like he sounds like he's in a weird trance. Uh, Betty just sounds conversational. So apparently they're both hypnotized, but uh, you'll see what I mean when I play a few of these clips. You'll be like, that's really like Barney sounds really fucked up. Let's give a little bit of history on the couple, and then we'll get into this. So Eunice Elizabeth Barrett, better known as Betty, was born on June 28th, 1919 in Newton, New Hampshire. Uh, Eunice is a better name than Betty. I'm saying it. I like it more. Betty's too plain. Eunice is original. She should have went by Eunice. She was raised on a chicken farm in Kingston, New Hampshire. Now, usually when I like look up the town where someone's from, I kind of go like, who is a famous person from this town? Kingston, New Hampshire has a total of five famous people listed on their wiki. One of them is Betty Hill. One of them's Josiah Bartlett. I don't know if he's, I guess he signed the De- Declaration of Independence. Don't really know. Two of them are famous people from the 1800s. The last notable person is Adam Lanza, the Sandy Hook shooter. Like I'm super happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck does Kinks in New Hampshire have that on their Wikipedia? Just take it down. Nobody wants it on there. Like, yeah. I'm sure, like, fuck. Jesus Christ. Famous. We need to really recalculate what the fuck we qualify as, as famous. Like, I think there should be a separate list that says infamous. I, I'm sorry. I said famous, but that's not what they usually put. They break usually notable. notable yeah. 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 That That is notable. <laughs> but it's like, come on, just why do we have oh, to no. remember that one? Get that one out of there. Someone will find him. If anybody wants to find him, they'll find him. They'll be like, oh, really? He's from Kingston? Like research him? Like nobody cares. Betty was considered one of the smartest kids in her class and loved to read. She said that learning to read was the best day of her life because she would never be bored again. Like she read so much that her, her mom had to limit her to one book a day. I fucking, this book was 300 pages. It was one chapter a day. Okay. One book a day is a lot. <laughs> Maybe not back then. That's all they had. It's about my reading level. So I mean, you read a book a day or no, one chapter. Jesus. Okay. Get good. I was like, <laughs> I know you, Bobby. You don't read. No. <laughs> Lucky to get through three pages and remember what the content was. <laughs> Yeah, her mom was a labor leader in New Hampshire uh, after Betty's father died at a young age and his pension was embezzled by the crooked union members. Betty's mom started labor rallies. Betty says her mom was a very progressive lady. She taught that Betty that at an early age, that skin color didn't matter and what mattered what was on the inside. So there was a lot of that going on in the like 1920s. Inside which is- like probes and IUDs. Betty was proud of her mom and said that she worked hard in school and excelled just to be a success, so just to make her mom proud. Betty goes to the University of New Hampshire and was a member of the Alpha Kappa Delta Sociology Honor Society. Uh, When Betty was in university, there was the first black woman was enrolled, and lots of people were very upset about that. And there's a famous story where Betty like had to keep this girl pumped up to like stay in school all the time. She, like, the girl wanted to quit because everyone was like, go back. Don't, you don't deserve to be in this, this school. And Betty would like befriend her and tell her to stay in all the time. 
couldn't find her name, but apparently she like taught at fucking Harvard after. So like good on good on Betty for keeping her pushing her through school, not letting her fucking quit because of racist douchebags. Betty also graduated college, became a social worker working in the adoption field. Her job was to train foster parents, and she apparently loved her job. Betty was an all job though. She was a human rights activist, a member of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, and a founding member of Rockingham County's Community Action. Um, it's like a soup kitchen slash homeless shelter kind of thing. Noble woman with a noble profession, noble pastimes, just a very well-respected lady, in my opinion. She was liked in her community. She had many friends, respected in her profession, like I said earlier. So all that overshadowed by her supposed abduction in 1961, which is kind of sad. But she wasn't abducted by herself. She was abducted with her husband, Barney Hill. Barney Hill was born on July 20th, 1922 in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, he was a junior. His father was Barney as well. His grandmother was a slave of Ethiopian descent. Uh, his grandmother was the daughter of her slave owner, so she got to live in the home of the plantation, which didn't make her popular. But because of this, Barney had many black and white relatives. Uh, racial integration had been happening slowly in the whole country, but it had been happening to him his whole life. Barney had two boys from a previous marriage. Barney the third, which is funny because it's actually Barney the third, and Daryl the first, I guess. I don't really know how that works. You just call someone the first, or do you have to have a second before you're the first? <laughs> Can I just? Uh, I'm a I'm a second, I guess. Uh, I'm a third. I think what you kind of asked was, does there have to be, or yeah, does there have to be two so that one can be one? To be the first, though, does you just have to be two to be the first? Or you just be the one. It only starts out. I mean, if you run a big line and go like, "I just won the race. I'm first place." You call yourself first place, or you just man. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess technically. Yeah, but sure, but that's a start and a finish. Technically, you don't know if you're the first or the only until you die. <laughs> exactly. If you don't take down the flags, it's not it's still a race for life. Yeah, I mean you took out your um IUD, so you can have a you know second or third, whatever it is, whenever you want. That's that's true. If it's your first child, that's true. I guess it goes both ways. Because like you're right, first child. That's true. This is Richard missing Link the Stoodle the second. <laughs> <laughs> Barney worked at a post office, night shift sorting mail, which was in Boston, Boston, uh, which was also a 60-mile drive from their house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, as a young man, Barney wanted to be an engineer, but as a black man, he wasn't allowed to go to university, even with an IQ of 140 and fighting Nazis for his country in World War II. Wow. Yeah. You can fight Nazis, but you're not allowed going to school, douchebag. <laughs> it's a fucked up time. I also know Barney was an avid plane watcher. It was one of his and his two boys' favorite hobbies to go to the water airport and watch all the water planes take off and land. Barney is also described as somewhat of a snappy dresser. They said that a bunch. A snappy dresser, which uh, to me sounds like some sort of veiled racism. I don't know why. It just doesn't sound like, look at this black dude. He's wearing a suit. Snappy dresser, that black dude. Like, it doesn't sound, I've never heard, anyways, it just sounds racist. Doesn't sound good? Black people no. can't dress nice, Richard? Call them snappy? No one call, they didn't call any of the white people snappy dressers in that fucking entire thing? I'm 
sure someone has at some point. <laughs> not, not in that book. <laughs> I'm not even going to listen to this. You don't think black people can dress nice. That's no, disgusting. I don't. Have you he probably had one of those hats Harvey? with the little feathers sticking out of it there. There you go. They, Bobby took it over. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you did consume <laughs> that racism. That was good. <laughs> Ate that for Richard. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> well, that's what the, you know, 70s comics thought of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not even touching it. Uh, Betty and Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Betty and Barney Hill were married in 1960. Uh, they were an interracial couple, which was rare for the 1960s. It was still illegal in many states. A couple of years, five years earlier, a 14-year-old boy named Emmett Till was lynched for allegedly flirting with a white woman. That wasn't that long ago. And Barney was smart enough to know that even though Emmett Till was murdered in Mississippi, a southern state, and the northern states were more accepting of black people, he would still be in danger for marrying a white woman. Barney and Betty were fighting to make the U.S. a better place through activism, which, good for them. This is before the I had a dream speech and everything. Like, this is like, they're pretty early on going with this stuff. On to the abduction. On Saturday, September 16th, 1961, 16 months after the couple had been married, they decided to take a well-deserved holiday. This was a very spontaneous idea brought on by Barney. Barney, just before his night shift on Friday, says that they're going on a holiday when he gets back from work in the morning. So that's Friday night. Banks were closed on Saturday. And by the time he mentioned the holiday, they couldn't make it to the bank. They had about $70 between the pair of them, which I guess goes a lot further in 1971 because they went like their plan was to drive north eight hours to Niagara Falls, spend a night there. The couple were excited to go as they were both in dire need of a holiday. Barney wanted his two sons to go with them, which I kind of find weird because they call it a postponed honeymoon later. It's like, why are you bringing your kids? But anyways, maybe that they changed their mind after. But People love their kids. Is that... I'm not bringing my kids on my honeymoon. I love my Come kids. Come on. You don't, you don't want to, like, I don't blame them. Kids are probably cute, little uh, Daryl the second and Barney the first. <laughs> they were like adult <laughs> kids at this point. They were like 20 and 22 at this point. They were like older. Adorable. Adorable. <laughs> On the first leg of the trip, Barney takes a few naps while Betty goes into the store to get like provisions because they didn't. They were like, we don't have lots of money. Let's just get like snacks for the road. I have a question regarding that. How did that work when women weren't allowed to drive? He would drive. She would park in the parking lot. She would go into the grocery store. He would take a 20 minute nap. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then he she would come back out pack up the car and he would drive off again. She'd wake him up. I thought maybe he would just find like a particularly straight road. And then I have a question. This is actually a serious question. So a black man could drive, but a white woman couldn't drive back in 1961 in America. I'm serious. Oh, I mean, no, I mean, I'm just kidding. I, I, I hate old times. They're, they're horrible for lots of reasons, but um, there is for sure a hierarchy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it totally depends. Cause there's like man shit and woman shit. And then there's, white people shit and black people shit at least there used to be more aggressively but i mean we're kidding ourselves to say racism doesn't still fucking exist um so, oh for sure i live in you know fucking I mean? alabama of the fucking canada <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh yeah that's there's i mean if you think they think about it like you know what i mean like i'm sure that they would not scoff at a, a black man doing you know like a traditionally male you know, occupation or something as much as they would as a woman, you know, like somebody might be like a black doctor, but 
I mean, that wouldn't, I don't know that that would blow their fucking mind more than a woman's doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, like the white woman's allowed to go to university, but like, she'd probably be frowned upon driving. You know what I mean? Like, it's fucking weird. Such a weird, such arbitrary, dumb rules. Like, again, I'm just like ascribing that. I don't know that that was actually allowed. I I was like, maybe, but like, but that is what happened though. She would come in and wake up Barney. So I was like, maybe guys were only allowed to. I don't fucking know America. I will. It's 1960s, so it's not that. It's not fucking Saudi Arabia. I know if you like, well, no, but I know like you look at like old people, like at least when I was growing up, there was always the man driving. You know, there's still the stereotype that you know, at least amongst older people, that women can't drive. I mean, I always drive, but my girlfriend can't drive well at all. It's it's horrible. It's not a stereotype thing. She just can't fucking drive. I'm not risking my life, you know? Is it that bad, though? It's bad. I, I once had to go 15 minutes to pick up my car somewhere, and she drove me, and I got out and felt like I was about to puke. <laughs> and what I, did she do? I'm sure you told her that, too, which is amazing. <laughs> I did. I was like, I'm going to be fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me be clear about something, though. Uh, there is, uh, even even more so than your girlfriend, nobody drives worse than half of the male comedians I've met and been strapped in the car with for that's way true. too long. That's very true. I, I, I I, the number good. of times my asshole was sore after clenching for two hours to go to like Scranton, PA, that to do what? Like 10 minutes and bomb and make $6? <laughs> I almost die twice. <laughs> that evening they get to Niagara Falls. They have a great night. They go sightseeing. They do all the Niagara Fallsy stuff. Cool. The next morning they head to Montreal for a night. That's their plan. Montreal is only about four hours from there, I believe. Then the next night, they're going to head back to New Hampshire. That would have been their trip. So the trip to Montreal back to Portsmouth, New Hampshire is about a five-hour drive, which they started about 9 p.m. on September 9th, 1961. They crossed the border at about 10 and stopped at a restaurant for a quick eat before heading home. Barney says that the restaurant was pretty dead with only a few people there. Uh, he said that there was a dark-skinned girl that worked there as a waitress, and she was rude to him. He also suspected that everyone in that restaurant was staring at him and Betty, being an interracial couple. Betty, on the other hand, she kept saying, you're acting crazy. No one's looking at us. Just have your fucking pie, and let's go. Like, relax. And Barney wanted the fuck out of there as soon as possible. So to help him in this case of getting out of there quickly, on the radio... They had heard that there was a hurricane that was probably going to cut through New Hampshire in the morning. Barney used this as an excuse to like, let's get on the highway as soon as possible. I don't want to hit that hurricane. Okay. I legit, like they both are arguing like this whole episode. They're going to both be arguing in the car. I think the real reason they were trying to head back quickly and not just get a hotel for the night was because they ran out of money. They had like 70 bucks and they went to Niagara Falls and like they had slept in place. Like, you know what I mean? They probably had no money left. Well, are you also familiar with uh, sundown laws? No. Huge thing over here. And they existed everywhere. It doesn't matter, like, because it was county-based. It wasn't, um, like, state or, or anything-based. Uh, but it was basically unspoken rules or very spoken rules that black people were not allowed in certain, like, counties, cities, towns after sundown. It was kind of like a promise that we would fuck you up, like is what those those people would say. That's unfortunate. So he was probably had that on his mind too. Honestly, mm-hmm. he probably was like, I don't know where I am right now. Like I'm driving through a weird part of the states. Maybe there's a fucking sundown law. Like he was very aware of it. Betty was less aware of it because she was white. Like you know what I mean. So she 
probably felt less in danger all the time than he did. But and you got to remember, Barney's fucking sleep deprived. I was gonna say he's been driving for a very long time at this point. Well, no, he drove up there. They had their little holiday, but he didn't get much sleep through the holiday. They're coming back at this point now. Yeah, now they're gonna beeline it all the way down for sure. They have spent the whole day in Montreal, so he just drove instead of just staying overnight. He's like, "Fuck it, I work night shift. I'm used to this. Let's go." They said it's a really nice drive. There had only been like two people on the highway that night. They were taking kind of side roads and back roads to kind of see the, the the nice nature of it, even though it was nighttime. When they get about two and a half to three hours away from their house, just south of Lancaster. New Hampshire on Route 3, which runs through the White Mountains, Betty claimed to have observed a bright light in the sky. At first, she thought it was a meteor, but some light streamed up away from the Earth. So the meteor, she thought it was a meteor, but it was going up. When the light stopped abruptly in the sky, Betty started to get intrigued. Barney blows her off the almost the entire time. He's like, you're just seeing a star, Betty. Chill out. Barney starts to pay more attention to the light after Betty was insistent that they stop to take a look at the light. So he's like, fine, I'll take a fucking look. She kept saying it was a meteor. He was insistent that this was a satellite after he looked at it. Then Betty said, Barney, if you think that's a satellite, this is a quote, Barney, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. So Betty was described as a boring lady by a lot of people just to oh fuck he was very (laughs) bore, just a bore, even Barney. And for her to get so excited by this, is what got Barney's ears perked up. He's like, why the fuck? Like, usually she just sits there. You know what I mean? Now she's talking? What the fuck? (laughs) That's brutal. So it was enough enough to convince him to, like, kind of stop and take a break. Um, She's annoying him. Okay, here's here's here's, uh, Barney describing how annoying Betty was. I think I will get a good look at this because Betty was very annoying. was annoying by telling me look and I can't look I have to drive the car she was being annoying she kept telling him like look and he's like I gotta drive damn woman stop talking to me I am operating the motor vehicle did she ever hear this recording yeah oh yeah oh yeah they but this is them (laughs) under hypnosis so they like get a little bit of like freedom to say kind of more what they want you know what i mean he's like i was just, yeah. i was not uh inhibited by my my normal brain pattern i i just talked you know what i mean i'm sorry i wasn't trying to offend i'm just trying to get it out of me it's still a fight <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> it's gonna happen after that <laughs> they're fighting the whole time guaranteed so they both agree to stop barney's probably annoyed final fucking stop so he wants to take a look through their binoculars he's got binoculars because they were going out to niagara falls probably a good thing to have and take a second to walk their wiener dog delzy this is the second time wiener dogs have come up in our episodes i just want to point out Chandler bogle that chick loved wiener dogs too barney pulled off at a picnic rest stop area just south of twin mountain barney wanted to make this stop quick uh could have been because of the what did you call that the get the fuck out areas what did you call that again like sundown town sundown yeah so maybe maybe it's that but uh i thought i heard it was because he was scared of bears attacking him so he was like let's go bears are gonna get us Mm. uh so scared of bears in fact that as soon as they parked the car he got out and went straight to the trunk to get his gun i love world war ii vets Mm. always ready to kill a bear (laughs) and a nazi you know what i mean just fucking ready that how your grandfather died yeah i thought he was a bear hell (laughs) That's one thing that bears and Nazis have in common. 
<laughs> their both, love of Hitler. They both hate Jews. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh goddamn! In an interrupted journey, Barney gets out. Uh, it says that Barney gets out his tire iron to protect himself. But that was later found out to be an on-purpose lie for the book because Barney was a black man and he crossed the border into Canada with a gun in his trunk, like super illegal. And they didn't want to like broadcast that. If you read Uninterrupted Journey, it says tire iron, but it's a fucking gun. He got a gun. Book came out in 1966, so it was still fucking very scary for... I wouldn't be advertising that. Do do we know what type of gun this was? Uh, I believe it was just a handgun, like a 22 caliber handgun. Okay, yeah. The only reason I know it was a gun is because I listen to all the audio tapes <laughs> and he says gun in it. Betty pulled out Barney's binoculars to take a look and she said she saw an odd shaped craft flashing multicolored light as it flew across the moon. As the craft moved, it was rotating. Nothing like she had ever seen before. Barney looks through the binoculars and says what he observed must be a commercial airliner traveling towards Vermont from Montreal. It's a fucking plane, Betty. Shut the fuck up, Betty. God, you're so annoying. <laughs> and this is Barney. Barney, that is not... I drive, and Betty is still looking, and she says, Barney, that is not a plane. It is still following us. And I stop. And I look and I see it is still out there, off in the distance. So Barney takes another look. Barney says it's an illusion. He tells her it's an illusion. The light must be flickering from some other source that they didn't see. It didn't stop. It's just the way the light is now. Betty claimed it must be a flying saucer. Five years prior to this, Betty's sister had said that she'd seen a flying saucer and this was the most logical explanation that Betty could come up with from what they were seeing. The light seemed to zigzag through the sky. Barney was willing to accept that it wasn't normal aircraft after he saw the zigzagging, uh, but reassured Betty that everything was going to be okay. As Barney said this to her, the light seemed to change direction and come toward the couple. Barney went back to his logical explanations and said that the craft was probably just a puddle jumper that was following some hunters and that Betty should just let it go. Betty starts, it's not even hunting season, Bonnie. You'll see how that's how she says it. It's not even hunting season, Bonnie. God, Betty was such an annoying bitch. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he says too after that. He goes, okay, fine. It's not hunting season. It's probably some military craft that was messing with them in the middle of the night. These fucking guys are swooping down at us from their military craft. These assholes. Betty gathers Delzy. Barney puts his gun away and they head back onto the road. They drive slowly as the light moved closer and closer to them. The hills just wanted to see what the object could be, so they were going like about 30 miles an hour. Barney was finally ready to accept that this flying object wasn't something he could easily explain. About half hour into their drive, they were watching the object, and it rapidly descended above their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. A huge yet silent craft hovered above them approximately 80 to 100 feet. Why do you want to hear a jet? Because Betty is making me mad. She is making me angry. Because she is saying, Look at that. It's strange. It's not a plane. Look at it. And I keep thinking it's got to be. And I want to hear a hum. I want to hear a motor. Sorry, Barney, you're not hearing it. It's silent, pal. 
I keep thinking, Betty, what the fuck do you know about planes? <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Just like a completely... uh, He's a polite gentleman. God, I hate Betty. <laughs> <laughs> help, help. This is really me in here. I actually fucking hate Betty. Save me. Help, help. <laughs> so Barney describes it looking like a pancake. Interesting it looks like a big... Big pancake with windows and rows of windows and lights of not not, not light, just one huge light. <laughs> and rows of windows like a commercial plane. Rows of windows. They're not like a commercial plane because they curve around to the size of this pancake and I say my god no I, I have to shake my head I got to I got to it can't be true this isn't fair so yeah that's Barney's described as a pancake a couple other things such a huge pancake that it took up their entire field of view in the windshield a terrified Barney stops the car right in the middle of the highway as, as the craft hovered in front of them this this can't be real I'm just hallucinating from rage because Betty keeps <laughs> talking did you know there's a restaurant in Niagara Falls called the flying saucer that looks like a flying saucer not a shock really no. <laughs> it's that skyline tower right no, no, no. Like, like, it's an actual restaurant that is outfitted to look like a flying saucer. Oh, oh. The, in, um, where is it? Also in Roswell, the McDonald's there looks like a flying saucer. It's, like, completely shaped. Yeah, I was just wondering saucer. if they got all fucked up and they were sitting there looking at the flying saucer restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, it's coming right for us. <laughs> They're on holiday. Maybe they're all fucked on drugs. Who knows? I don't know. Here's a terrified Barney stops the car right in the middle of the highway as the craft hovered in front of them. I try to maintain control so Betty cannot tell I am scared. God, I'm scared. It's all right. You can go right on. Experience it. It will not hurt you now. I got to get my gun. Oh, I got my gun. All right. All right. That's all. Start. I got to get my gun. Go this way, Steve. You can get now. You can get it now. You've forgotten. Calm now. Relax. Deeply relax. Deeply relaxed. You will not have to make any outcry. But you can remember it now. Keep remembering. You feel you have to get your gun. This is going to harm you, you felt. I open the trunk of my car. And I get it. And I get back in the car. All right. Just keep reasonably calm. And I put it in my coat. And then I get out with the binoculars, and it is there, and I look, and I look, and it shifts over 
and I think I'm not afraid. I'll, I'll shoot it down if, uh, I'm not afraid. I'll shoot it down. I'm not afraid. You sounded pretty fucking scared there, Barney, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I love, dude, I fucking love. Where's my gun? <laughs> how not soothing that guy was. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, just calm down. Calm down. Tell me more. <laughs> I think if I see like an alien ship coming towards me, I'm not even thinking, even if I have a gun on me, that is not my first thought because it's like life is over. Either they're friendly or I'm fucked. Like I'm running out of the car and I'm like, I'm wet. I'm wet. Same team. Same team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, it's all over my pants. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. What I, my first thought was, fuck, I love World War II vets. Always ready to kill an alien or a Nazi. So they're the fucking get the guns up, buddy. <laughs> so Barney pulls up the binoculars to take a look. Up close, you can see what looks like a windshield in the pancake. He kind of described that. In the windshield, Barney claims to see... 8 to 11 humanoid figures standing there. He said one of them looks like an Irishman. The beings were gray-skinned, wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Also this. Did they have faces like other people? You say one reminded you of a red-headed Irishman. His eyes were slanted. I see it so. His eyes were slanted. But not like a Chinese. I figured if I said that, you guys would get mad at me. So I let Barney say it. You were, no, it's almost <laughs> as bad. Like you were so excited. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That could mean a lot of things. When he says not like the Chinese, is it exactly like the Chinese just like flipped? <laughs> I'll show you like the description. He, he draws a picture later. I'll show you. Or is it like the Japanese? Is that what he's going for? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll show you the picture after. So they're all looking at him. He says they're all staring at him. Then in unison, all but one of the figures moved to some sort of panel on the rear wall of the deck or whatever he was looking at on the inside of the craft and let him tell you something. About 11 men now, I thought, looking down at me and they suddenly made a turn to what I thought was a panel and I could see their arms going up, and there was one that kept looking down, and I kept going closer. Every time I hear one of these stories, I, I, my mind just goes straight to, like, time traveler. 100% time traveler. Could be. Like an Irishman that has Chinese eyes. It's fuck, that's the future, man. <laughs> that's the future. I'm sorry. I don't know what happens. You know, I don't... You know, we were talking about potatoes, and I'm just thinking, I don't know if the Irish did do them, but... Jeez. He said the one that didn't move kept eye contact with Barney, and he claims that it communicated a message to him telepathically. And this is the guy that Betty and Barney later called the leader. The leader said telepathically, stay where you are and keep looking. The one I thought was the leader. And was he the one you thought was the leader in the spaceship? Yes. What kind of language do you use? He did not speak by words. I was told what to do by his thoughts, making my thoughts understand. Leave Barney alone. He didn't know the word telepathy, okay? He just kept saying stuff like that. Leave him alone. Uh, he kept going, he kept communicating thoughts with thoughts. My thoughts with thoughts is thoughts. It's called telepathy. <laughs> Large bat wing fins began to telescope out the sides of the craft. The wings had red lights flashing on them. 
A long structure descended from the bottom of the craft, like an elevator or stairs or maybe a ladder or something like that. Barney tries to take the binoculars down from his eyes and go back to his wife, but feels compelled to keep them there. Oh, I thought you were going to say hit her. And what to work with UFO. And I saw some eyes staring down at me. And I was coming closer and closer to this UFO. And I could not believe it was there. And yet, I could not make it go away. And I was compelled to go closer. And I prayed to God. He he was compelled to keep them there. Betty's still in the car, yelling for her husband to come back. Barney doesn't recall her cries. Uh, He instead tries to raise his gun and shoot these creatures away, but he cannot. Barney snaps out of it when he has a suspicion that he is about to be captured. And then he runs back to his car while his wife is yelling hysterically. Betty, like I said, still in the car, looking at the craft in amazement. Barney puts the car into drive and starts to speed his way southward toward their red-framed New Hampshire home. Betty held her head out the window to keep an eye on the creatures. Where's Delzy, you ask? Where's Delzy? She stays in the car all the time. That's funny. Isn't that funny? Hilarious. That's it. Stays in the car. Just stays in the car. Just stays in the car. She doesn't doesn't bark, do anything. She just stays there. Isn't that funny? He just says that a bunch too, and he's hypnotized. Isn't that funny? She's like, not really. It's kind of weird, dude. Without explanation. As they're driving away, some loud rhythmic beeps sound from the rear end of their trunk. They felt a vibration that was hard for the hills to describe. Betty said that when she touched the metal in her car, she expected to be electrified, but no shock at all. And Betty said, well, do you believe in flying saucers now? And I said, oh, don't be ridiculous, Betty. Of course not. And we then had a beep, 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 beep sound on the car. And I kept quiet after that. Even after all that, Barney's still like, shut the fuck up, Betty. I just want to get home. I got to work tomorrow night. <laughs> the couple starts to feel drowsy after the beeping and they lose consciousness. They awake around two hours later, 35 miles down the road after hearing some more rhythmic beeping sounds. They didn't realize that two hours had gone by. All they remember is a vague memory of driving the 35 miles they remembered making a sharp and sudden unplanned turn. They also remembered something about a roadblock and a fiery orb in the road. The rest of the ride home is Betty just wanting to talk about what happened and Barney telling her to shut the fuck up. Hmm. He calls it the, the like, this is this year. That's the funniest thing, Betty. Funniest thing. I never believed in flying saucers, but I don't know. Mighty mysterious. Yeah. Well, I guess I won't say anything to anybody about this. So they decide right instantaneously, as soon as they get home, uh, we're not going to say anything about this to anyone. No one's going to believe it anyway. The Hills get back home and realize the trip took too long. They they look at their clock. It's 7 in the morning. It should have been home by 5. There's many mysterious things that they couldn't explain. First things first, Barney was compelled to go check out his dick. As soon as they got home, 
ran upstairs, <laughs> not joking, ran up to the bathroom, went and inspected his cock. Didn't see anything wrong with it, but he felt compelled to go look at it. Okay. He, like disappointed afterwards, like, <laughs> ah, nuts. No, he, he was thought that would have done something. I feel like I feel like he was relieved, and he doesn't know why he was relieved when he saw it. <laughs> that is some real deeply buried trauma. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what it is in a bit, or what it supposedly is. <laughs> Betty's dress, secondly, uh, was had been ripped down the seam of the zipper, ripped down the hem, and the lining was ripped as well. And she said it had pink powder all over it. The pink powder was never recovered, but she claims it was there. She washed the dress before anybody decided, hey, maybe we should take samples of this. Barney's favorite shoes were all scuffed up. Being a snappy dresser, Barney was reported as being very pissed about his shoes being all scuffed up. The strap for the binocular had been ripped. Uh, Neither of them remember ripping it. And their watches were both dead, never to work again. (laughs) Betty also had this idea that their luggage had been covered in radiation. And when they got home, she refused to bring it in the house. She left it on the porch. Barney also said that he had a new soreness pulsating from his neck. There's also about a dozen strange metallic circular marks on the trunk of their car, each about the size of a silver dollar or a toonie, I guess, for us Canadians. Betty told her flying saucer sister, Janet Miller, about her experience. Betty's sister had seen two UFOs in the past couple of years, and Betty knew that she would understand. So they weren't telling anyone, they'll just tell Betty's sister. When Betty tells Janet the story, and she was worried about that her and Barney had been like exposed to radiation or something. So she wanted to figure out a way to test her car for radiation. And Betty's sister gave her the number to actually her neighbor, who was a physicist. And she said that if you talk to this guy, maybe he has some sort of test you could do at home to see if there's any radiation. Now Betty's told her sister. Now Betty tells the physicist because she's scared of the radiation. And the physicist tells her to go grab a compass and put it over top of the circular rings or put it over around the, the luggage. And if it's irradiated at all, the compass should do jumps, should move around a bit. And that's a good way to do a preliminary test. If it does something weird like that, then we'll get it further tested. Is that legit? I don't is know. Is that a real thing? Honestly, I don't know. I didn't look into it. I should have. I, I would assume it is. I don't know, though. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So Betty goes around. She does it. Puts it over the clothes and stuff in the, in the suitcases. Nothing doesn't move. But she puts it over top of the metallic circles. The needle would just spin around in circles, apparently. And they only know what I told you, basically. They, they don't know what happened in their time that they're missing at this point. One of the biggest reasons they don't want to tell anybody is because they were a interracial couple, right? So that was hard enough. And plus they're doing like the NAACP stuff and they've been in the paper a bunch. So they didn't want to discredit their name for like, if they go like Betty and Barney Hill, uh, activist slash alien abductee, you know what I mean? They didn't want to like take away from their name. So that was one of the big things they were trying to avoid by saying it. One of the friends they did tell, though, suggested that they call the nearby airbase and let them know just to be on the safe side. Barney just wanted the whole experience behind him. Betty went against Barney's wishes and decided to tell the Air Force about what had happened because of the luggage and the metal rings. She didn't want to get radiation poisoning. This is what she claims. So she calls Peace Air Force Base on September 21st, two days after the event. She told the most basic version of the story to the officer who took her call. And that officer promised to get back to her. The next day, 
Major Paul Henderson reaches out to the Hills to schedule them for a more detailed statement. So Major Henderson worked for Project Blue Book, which was the military's official code name for the study of the UFO phenomenon between the years 1951 and 1969. And they were doing all sorts of research into all the UFOs that had been seen. This is their official one. There's lots of records of this. Betty and Barney Hill's accounts in there and everything. Betty and Barney didn't want to tell the major all the details because they didn't want to sound crazy. Barney didn't want to tell anyone, but Betty wouldn't shut the fuck up about the humanoids, UFO, or the radiation. So they agreed to the meeting to calm Betty down. The report from Project Blue Book was released September 26th, and it basically says that the hills had simply seen Jupiter in the sky. What? That's what the whole Project Blue Book's report says. The hills are crazy. They saw Jupiter. Okay. Even though when they were interviewed, the major separated them and got them to draw what they had seen in separate rooms so they wouldn't be able to like look off each other. And they both drew a very similar disc-shaped craft. Dick shape? Disc. Disc. <laughs> disc. This is a really weird way to say dick, but go on. <laughs> The pictures they drew in the separate rooms are in an interrupted journey in the middle. I just want to know more about this fucking dog. I hear, I, I mean, listen. Sounds like new dog parent stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of this dog. Nowhere is it mentioned this dog is pregnant. If this dog is not pregnant, I don't know what the fuck they were feeding it. There's the face that Barney was talking about. That's what he said it looked like. Holy shit, that's a Ninja Turtle. Go back up. <laughs> uh, see, I was going to say like Spider-Man moonlighting as a cabbie. That's definitely an Irishman right there. Holy fuck. Well, he doesn't want anyone to know he's Spider-Man, so he's like, Well, top of the evening to you. I'm, I'm a cab driver who's totally not Spider-Man. Okay, this is the so two So actually, if you think about it, his description is like Robert De Niro of like the eyes, okay. but not quite the Chinese eyes. He said he kind of looks Irish. He was in the Irishman. Oh, okay. That, that all checks out then. Yeah, yeah. That's Everyone knows that's how you describe Robert De Niro. <laughs> well, he was ahead of his time. I mean, that's true. Plus, he had fucking Betty talking his ear nonstop. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> the guy I'm praying. So this is Betty's drawing, and then this is Barney's drawing. Um, sure. Why not? The drawings aren't really that compelling to me. They both kind of look like a dog collar, which is um, yeah, it's, it's a little true. suspect. Yeah, this should say, like, Delzy in the middle here. Delzy. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's... Yeah, I don't know, man. The right Jeez. drugs and the right level of like, em like emotional disassociation. I I could see them staring into Delsey's dog collar and thinking that they <laughs> that's true. Revolutionary, yeah. Wait, and they were coming from where? Going to where again? They went from New Hampshire up to Niagara Falls, over to Montreal, and then back to New Hampshire. And this occurred on the way back from. Correct. Okay. A sleep-deprived couple days. That interview with the military went nowhere. Betty was disappointed with it, really. Betty was still compelled to look into this. 
So the same day the report came out, Betty went to the library to look up anything she could find on UFOs. And after hours of research, Betty left after checking out the book entitled The Flying Saucer Conspiracy, written by an ex-Marine named Donald E. Kehoe, which she read in its entirety as soon as she got home. Kehoe was not only an author of UFO books, but also the head of the civilian research group called the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know anything about UFO researchers, but NICAP and MUFON are two different ones, and they hate each other, and they still exist to this day, and it's kind of funny. So NICAP's been around for a long time, and so has MUFON. MUFON's Mutual UFO uh, Network, I think it's called this, but they do the exact same thing, and they fight with each other, like, work with each other, boys. Kehoe and NICAP believe that the Air Force was covering up UFO sightings, and the reason Kehoe helped found NICAP was to conduct investigation into the phenomena independent of the government. So she writes Kehoe a letter detailing her and her husband's experience, but this time in great detail, including the humanoids on the craft, the ball of fire in the road, and the missing time. Her letter was forwarded to a guy named Walter Webb, an astronomer and NICAP member from Boston, who decided he was going to make the trip to interview the Hills. The Hills agreed. And their interview happens on October 21st, 1961. So just a little bit over a month. Uh, during the six-hour interview, Betty and Barney outlined their entire experience. Barney was sure that his brain was blocking out certain parts of the night because there are probably parts of the encounter that his brain didn't want him to remember. That was his claim. They don't want me to remember. I don't want to remember. Repressed memories. Webb was positive the Hills were telling the truth after the six hours. Webb says that the stories were basically the same, minus, and I quote, some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved, i.e. exact time and length of visibility, apparent sizes of objects and occupants, distance and height of the object, etc. So the next few weeks and month after the encounter were weird. First of all, Barney started to develop what looked like genital warts around his penis in a perfect circle. I think there are 21 of them. Uh, why do we have a count? I don't know, but there was yeah. So if I have to read it, you have to know it. <laughs> okay. 10 days after the encounter, Betty would have a series of dreams for five days straight. She would have these dreams. And then after that five days, she'd stop. These dreams happened before the interview, but I don't think she told them to Mr. Webb. I know Barney just wanted to forget about the whole thing, so Betty claimed she didn't go too far into the dreams with him. He would just tell her to shut up, leave me alone. Betty couldn't stop thinking about the dreams during her days. She would tell Barney about the dreams. He was sympathetic to her feelings, but he told her, I don't care about your dream. <laughs> like, I know you're feeling, you're getting upset about this, but just shut up. <laughs> He's, uh, it's funny to me that they're arguing all the time. I'm thinking they're arguing about whether or not to tell anyone about their encounter, and... After they have a blowout about the dreams, Betty didn't mention them to Barney anymore. So that's my guess. They like fucking scrapped it out. I wish there were more recordings. I wish it was like a fucking Nixon tape thing. Where yeah, we yeah. just kept finding more, finding more, finding more. <laughs> and there was just like recordings at that, them at home. And Barney was just like, God damn it, Betty. Shut the fuck up. But, but Barney, they came for me. Barney. Barney's like, and Betty, it's so annoying. Betty's like... Barney keeps putting his dick in frogs. <laughs> like, goddamn Betty won't mind her stupid, annoying business. 
Okay, so instead of talking to Barney further and after the interview with Nightcap's Walter Webb, in early November 1961, Betty starts to write down the details of her dreams. All of her dreams were pretty much the same. They start out with her and Barney as they were driving away from the object Barney thought was going to abduct them. And then they got stopped by a roadblock. Then some weird humanoids surround their Chevy. This time, she gets a better look at the beings and sees that they were almost human, but not quite human. That's how she describes them. They were gray-skinned, just like Barney had described, with black hair. They were all smaller than average height, five foot to five foot four, which to me, that's not that crazy. Like, I'm five seven, okay? I've been to a Stoodle family reunion. I'm fucking Godzilla there. You know what I mean? Like I've I've seen some short people in my day. It's not uh <laughs> You're Godzilla at five seven? Compared to my fucking dad's side of the family. Oh yeah, they're fucking midgets, man. They're small. I don't think I would have ever guessed that you were five seven. Like if if we were to meet in person, I think I would have just assumed you were as tall, if not taller than me. No, nah, I'm I'm a small boy. I'm a little oh, boy. Oh, see now I had the same uh feeling or I actually had kind of a different feeling. I always thought Richard was either crazy tall. Or crazy, crazy short. Not like five seven. That's like I don't know. Yeah, crazy Robert, Downey, Robert Downey Jr. is five seven. Yeah, yeah, see, if I'm if I'm taller than Iron Man, I it just ruins it for me. If I ever met him in person, I <laughs> what yeah. Do you mean? <laughs> now, how tall are you, Rick? I'm five eleven. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was gonna be like up there. I was going with six, so five eleven is close. Yeah. Were you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm six foot on Tinder. I'm I'm five foot nine with shoes on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she also described them. She said they all had prominent noses and blue lips, but she got a better look than Barney did. Uh, she noticed that they were wearing blue uniforms. Barney said black with hats that looked like cadet hats. And as the blue-lipped being surrounded their car, Betty said she began to lose consciousness, but struggled to stay awake. There's a couple of men behind me, and then there's Barney, and he... There's a man on each side of him, and my eyes are open. My body's still asleep. He's walking and he's asleep. She said she struggled to stay awake. When she came to, she realized she was being forced to walk in the forest by the small gray men. Barney was with a few other little men walking behind her. She said Barney looked like he was sleepwalking or in a trance or something like that. She tried to call out to him, but he wasn't responding. Like, I guess like NPC mode or something like that. I think I'm going to get mad. And they go, who the heck are these characters and what do they think they're doing? And so I turn around and I say, Barney, wake up. Barney, why don't you wake up? <laughs> he doesn't pay any attention. And then the man who's walking beside me here says, oh, is his name Barney? And I turned around and I looked at this man and I figured it's none of his business. So I didn't speak to him. Is his name Barney? So Barney was pretending to be asleep. <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, you're not far off, Bobby. We'll go, we'll move on. We'll get to there. Okay. The little gray men walk Betty and Barney up the ramp to the metallic pancake-shaped craft. Once they were inside, the alien separated Betty and Barney. Barney was still in his trance-like state, but Betty protested. 
One of the aliens, who Betty referred to as the leader, told her that if the two were to remain together, the exam would take much longer. Betty gave up, and the couple were led into separate rooms. Another man comes in. I haven't seen him before. I think he's a doctor. Another alien, who Betty calls the doctor right there, or the examiner at certain points during this, laid her down on the examination table, which she said she was too short for. The examiner shone a big light into her eyes and began the exam. He took a lock of her hair and fingernail clippings. Then he examined her eyes, nose, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. Next, the examiner took a skin shaving using a tool she described looking like a letter opener. The skin cell sample on what she said looked like cellophane. So he like took it and like put it on like a piece of plastic or something. Uh, the last test performed was what Betty described as some sort of pregnancy test. The alien pushed a giant needle, which she says four to six inches into her stomach. Actually, she says navel. This is way too much for Betty. And she cried out in pain. The leader seeing the pain she was in waved his hand over her eyes. And just like that, Betty was in no more pain. Whatever I'm playing these clips is way after, like years after when they're under hypnosis. So and the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And I see the needle. And it, it's, it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And he, I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test, it won't hurt me. And I asked him what? And he said, he just wants to put it in my navel. It's just a simple test. And I don't know, it won't hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he said, no, it won't hurt. And he sticks a needle into my navel. And he said, <laughs> and I'm crying and I tell her it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, take it out. And, and, and then the leader, he goes over and he puts his hand, runs his hand in front of my eyes. And he says, I'll be all right. I won't feel it. And all the pain goes away. So that's Betty describing that afterwards, like far later. She's just, she, when she's writing this down, she doesn't write, my navel. This is, you know what I mean? This is her writing this down in her book right now, but still, this is how she describes it later on. Where, where did she say that the needle was being stuck under her nail? Her navel. Her navel. Oh, navel. navel. Oh, got it. I don't know if I said this already or not, but uh, they sound like people pretending that they're hypnotized i don't dr ben simon says they were i don't know what to say you could uh, be right oh oh well the doctor of fucking hypnotism I, that's what i'm saying i don't know what to say i i listen it's not a fucking science or a medicine if people <laughs> tour and do it in comedy clubs <laughs> <laughs> got me while i was drinking i almost fucking ruined my fucking computer you dick um <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I like we'll talk about hypnotism a lot later. It's just like this is written before she was hypnotized. She wrote all this shit down prior to that. 
So, like, is that just her acting out her fucking written down thing? I don't know. We'll talk about it in a bit. Is there any reason why the what they call the leader is what they thought was the leader? Like, because he's the one doing all like talking to them and stuff like that. Oh, Everybody else okay. just kind of like a drone around them, except for the doctor and the leader of the two that interacted with them. Everybody else kind of just like did their thing. Maybe he was just a translator, though. He's the only one that could, could speak be. telepathically. Could be, yeah. That's just what she ended up calling him. It could be just the one guy who okay. had that talent. You're right, yeah. I just didn't know if he was like wearing like a nice suit compared to the rest of them, nope. taking charge of the whole situation. He weirdly... Stop calling me your leader. I'm your dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sidetrack for one second. Right after this intense part in the hypnosis, Dr. Simon asks something I think maybe needed to be asked i don't know did they make any sexual advances to you <laughs> no no i asked the leader i said why did he stick the needle why did they stick the needle in my navel and he said it was a pregnancy test and i said well i don't know what they expected but that was no pregnancy test here she just ignores his fucking, he's trying to say, like, did you get probed? And then she, or whatever the fuck he was thinking, she just goes, my navel. Like, she was still in the navel mode. So I, thought, I just, like, I why she... would you ask that then, you fucking weirdo? Yeah, he's a fucking freak. Because uh, you're not <laughs> well, Who did he interview first, Betty or or, Bar- or... Bar- Barney? He did. Well, Barney. I mean, yeah, if he fucked a frog, maybe he's like, did you, you get fucked by a frog? That's true. That's true. Maybe he was, like, trying to figure out where the fucking words came from. You're yeah. not wrong. I mean, that's definitely, definitely, I mean, not the way to ask questions because you're basically just like implanting things that aren't there, but. That is, that is an option though. Maybe they just got like drugged by a crazy sex call that is really into blue freeze pops or something. Hey man. <laughs> blue lips are just dark light makes you look gray. I don't know. You're right. So the examiner leaves the room and Betty was left alone with the leader. So she starts up a conversation. Betty wanted proof. That's what she says. I want proof that this event happened. Uh, She's going to be made fun of otherwise. No one's going to believe me. So I need some proof. She picks up a book that's in the room and it's full of strange symbols. The leader said, you like the book? And if you like the book, you could take it back with you as proof. I put my hand on the book and I said, could I have this? And the the leader laughed and he said, asked me if I thought I could read it. And I told him, no, I laughed too. I said, no. But I wasn't taking it to read that this was going to be my proof that this had happened. I love, I do love this because a lot in Betty's hypnotist session, the aliens make fun of her. You think you could read that, you little human? Uh, it wasn't making fun of her because it was a human. It's because she was a woman. <laughs> uh, you think you can read that? No, I'm going to give it to Barney. <laughs> Even the advanced beings from a different galaxy are sexist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Of course uh, they are. Jesus. Then she asked the leader where he came from. And he pulls out a map of the stars. She describes it as like somehow 3D, but on one screen. I don't know. It kind of sounds like a holograph the way she describes it. It's just she didn't really have a way to describe it. So she's like, it's on a screen. It's out there, but it's on the screen. I don't really know. She says like, where are you from? And he's like, 
he pulls out the map and then she points at the stars. He goes, where are you? And she goes, I don't know about the stars. She goes, then why would I tell you where I'm from? You won't even understand. Like he just makes fun of her hardcore. The <laughs> alien. She's like, you won't even understand anyway, stupid. Maybe that's why the doctor asked. Cause like he knew all that. And he just really thought they were trying to fuck her because of how hard they were nagging her. <laughs> she says navel one more time. I swear to God. <laughs> They're even annoyed by her. <laughs> All right, so Betty was brought back to the corridor toward the outside of the craft. Betty and Barney were reunited, and when they were, the aliens were in some sort of argument. The argument was not in English. It sounded like some sort of mumbling language. So they're talking amongst themselves. When the leader returned to Betty, he told her that the others didn't want her or Barney to remember any of what had just happened, so she was not allowed to take the book back with her. Shocker. Jolita comes over and takes my book. And I said, oh, I'm furious. I said, you promised me I could have the book. You gave me a word you, I could have it. And he said, I know it. He said, but the others object. They don't want you to have it. And I said, but this is my proof. If you take the book away from me, I'll have no proof that this has happened. So she whines at the aliens. Well, what have you proof? She gives up the book, and soon they're led back down the ramp back into the car. The leader could tell that she was in trauma, so he suggests to her that maybe she wait and watch them leave. To me, that sounds like some sort of like hypnotism in itself. You know, just wait until I leave. Keep staring at me until I'm fully gone. Then you'll have back to full use of your whatever. And then maybe that's what whatever, like maybe whatever propulsion system or whatever on their ship was what the big fireball was. She remembers vaguely seeing in the middle of the road as they flew away. The couple does, and then they just resume their drive after they go. And a little bit into the drive, they hear the beeping again, and then they regain consciousness and then back into the how they got back to their house in New Hampshire. So over the next year, Betty dragged Barney up and down Route 3 a few times just to investigate where the incident happened. Walter Webb had actually suggested that they do this, and Betty was determined to figure out what happened to them that night. They couldn't find a spot, the spot, sorry. And even if they did, only Betty was convinced that it would resolve anything. Uh, Barney was in poor health before this incident. He had ulcers. But after this whole thing, his ulcers were getting a lot worse and he was getting sicker and sicker. So sick that he took medical leave and he was suffering from, before he didn't really have anxiety. Now he had debilitating, terrible anxiety that he couldn't like leave houses. He, he always thought it stemmed from that night so barney starts to go to a psychiatrist to help him with his memories and hopefully that would alleviate the anxiety his psychiatrist said that after a while the memories and the missing time would just gradually come back and then he'll feel better you just got to work through it we'll talk through it and they did not on september 7th 1963 there was a guest speaker at betty and barney's unitarian church named captain ben h sweat captain sweat gave a talk on hypnosis just a simple talk about the benefits of hypnosis and how the future of hypnosis is bright in the psychiatry field uh, he mentions that hypnosis can even help you remember things that you've forgotten years before stuff you may have blocked out from like the war or something like that so the hills very intrigued approached captain sweat after his talk one of Betty's friends had already suggested that maybe the couple get some hypnosis. 
but they didn't know how to go about it. So they really wanted Captain Sweat to help them remember what had happened. Barney was looking for anything. His ulcers were out of control and they weren't getting any better. So Betty was also having a hard time sleeping. And after hearing about how hypnosis might be able to help them get their memories back, they were willing to try anything. So captains, they, they go to Captain Sweat, like fix us. And Captain Sweat's like, no, dude, I'm just an amateur. I don't know anything about this. Go find a professional. Um, ask your psychiatrist, Barney. He'll tell you someone. So Barney psychiatrist, Dr. Steven, uh, I don't know any other thing about this psychiatrist, just Dr. Steven, uh, refers the couple to a guy named Dr. Benjamin Scott. Now, Barney had been going to the psychiatrist for a few months uh, at this point, and it wasn't really helping with his anxiety or ulcers. Dr. Benjamin Scott was a well-renowned psychiatrist with many bouts of hypnosis sessions with amnesia victims from World War II. He would help them bring out their memories from trauma caused by the war and help them through it. After the war was done, Dr. Simon opened up his own psychiatric practice, doing everything from therapy to hypnosis. Betty looked him up before the first meeting, asked a bunch of her colleagues in the, from the university, and he had a good reputation in the field. Dr. Simon worked in Boston, and the Hills have their first meeting with him on December 14th, 1963. Dr. Simon dismisses their claims that they were abducted by some little gray men, but thought that they genuinely believed it. So he was intrigued and he wanted to see where this was going to go. He explains that hypnosis, how it works, what the costs were going to be for psychiatry sessions and how they're going to have to work the thing out. And it was Betty and Barney made enough money, but like they just made a modest living. It was, it's cost a lot. It's going to be hard for them to drive to Boston all the time, 60 miles drive every day or every week. But after getting their treatment plan and meeting the doctor themselves, they decided to go ahead with the treatment. Their first hypnosis session was set for January 4th, 1964. And these sessions lasted until their final session on June 27th, 1964. Uh, the first few sessions were just to bring Betty and Barney into a trance to show them how the process would work and what they would feel like. They were almost practice sessions, I guess, but it would keep them in a weird, like they would have be in that mode. So like, you know, that stereotype where it's like, I'll snap my fingers and you're back in it. Like he would get them to that point. So it would be easier for him to get them into trance the next time they come in, I guess. If that makes sense. Speed up the process for later. The hypnosis sessions would consist of them feeling like they went to sleep and then they would wake up and Dr. Simon would make sure the couple could not remember what had happened. So he would literally at the end of every session, there's... There's four of them total, two Barney, two Betty that are out. I listen, they're like an hour long each. I listen to all of them. And literally at the end of all of them, he tells them, don't remember. And they start remembering themselves after, I guess, when they talk about, when he shows them the recording after, because that's what he does. He'll play the recording to them when they feel more comfortable, I guess. And all the transcripts for these are in an interrupted journey. It was interesting to see that they had different reactions to being hypnotized. Like Barney sounds more like he's in a trance and Betty just sounds like she's talking. But apparently they're both hypnotized. I know RJ said they're probably sound like they're faking, which is true. I, I agree. So when it came to remembering the lost time, both Betty and Barney got really emotional, as you heard a couple times as I played the clips earlier. Uh, Barney screamed in fear during a bunch of his hypnosis, and Betty had to stop one of the sessions because she was crying so much. Here's a clip that I found extra. It's like a two minutes, the longest clip out of all of them, but I found this one pretty interesting. This creature, this leader is telling me something. He's telling you something. How? How is he getting it to you? 
I can see it in his face. Do you see his lips move? Yes. No, his lips aren't moving. Yes, go on. He's telling you. And he's looking at me. What did he tell you? Stay there and keep looking. Just keep looking and stay there. And just keep looking. Just keep looking. Could you hear each other? Oh, I gotta pull these binoculars away from my eyes. Because if I don't, I'll just keep staying there. Could you hear him tell you this? Oh, no. He didn't say it. You felt he said it. Uh, I know. You know he said it. Just there. Yeah. Just stay there. He's saying to me. It's all right. I'll take in my head. All right. Pull the binoculars away. God, give me strength. All right. Pull him down. Run. Pull his binoculars down and run. God, if there's a God, give me strength. I gotta get away. Oh, oh, babe. All right, all right. gotta get away, babe. All right, calm down, calm down. I'm driving. Calm I gotta down. get away. Oh, oh. How could you be sure he was telling you this? Oh. Calm down, you're still asleep. The only reason I find that interesting is because he's like he keeps talking about eyes the whole time through the hypnosis sessions like i cut out a bunch of sections they're not very long like uh, there's like four examples here where he keeps talking about how the eyes are inside his eyes or his eyes are inside my mind or his eyes are the eyes were whatever they're doing so you just listen it's not very long clips are those eyes they're in my brain oh please can I wake up? The eyes are there. Two. Always the eyes are there. And they're telling me. I don't have to be afraid. Three. Get away and run back to the car. And I did. And the eyes kept following me. The eyes kept coming down but they were not Four. the leader's eyes, and they kept telling me to keep quiet and come closer, and when I ran back to the car, the eyes seemed to still be in my brain. That's like just four examples of like how many times he says eyes, it's unreal. Betty, on the other hand, says that they speak to her in English, not telepathically, just they had an accent. These men spoke good English? Uh. Only one spoke, the one who was on my left. And he said, and then he was more or less. He had an accent. He, he had sort of a foreign accent. He probes her more on that. She's not sure which accent. She says it's European. So that's a weird discrepancy between their two stories. Okay. So just keep that part of mind because Betty's the one who wrote these dreams out. Barney was, didn't want anything to do with it. And he's saying it's eyes. She's saying they're talking. So all the hypnosis sessions are going to be in the show notes. If any of the listeners want to go through and do what I already did, I'm not going to be a dick and make you listen all four hours of that, but I did it.
Uh, unless you guys want to do like some bonus episodes where we go through each hypnosis session and like mystery science theater 3000, each of them. Cause I'd be down for doing that. I'd be, I'd, I'd laugh. Can we do the opposite? Can we get a guest and hire hit, hit someone to perform hypnosis on them and convince them that they've seen aliens instead of asking them about what they've already seen? <laughs> we're just, we're okay. You get on learning hypnosis, then we'll do it. Okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, I, I meant I meant like hire a scapegoat, but yeah, I'll handle that part. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Tell you the new information that's revealed in the hypnosis sessions. Betty's accounts during her hypnosis are basically match what her dreams were. Just a few minor differences, like the technology, how big stuff was versus like like sizes and length of time and stuff like that were different. Remember, Barney was resistant to the whole idea of alien abduction. All the dreams were Betty. Okay. All he remembers is seeing the beings through his binoculars, running away, missing a couple hours. That's all he remembers, right? Before the hypnosis sessions. Uh, Barney is first to get some regression therapy. So for each session, Dr. Simon separates the couple, bringing Barney into the office and letting Betty sit out in reception or vice versa, depending on who's going through the regression. Uh, he sits them both together after all four sessions to go over what he'd recorded and get their thoughts on the whole thing. During the first session, Dr. Simon sits Barney down and gets Barney back in his trance state after a bit of small talk. Barney's regression session pretty much match Betty's dreams, which is kind of interesting, I guess. Betty's regression sessions are far more detailed than Barney's. But as you'll see, Barney claims that he had his eyes closed for most of the experience. Here's where I was talking about for you, Bobby. I have been told to keep my eyes closed. Who told you that? The man. What man? That I saw. The he's talking about the leader he says the leader told him to keep his eyes closed bobby he wasn't pretending to be sleepy he was forced into it no he's just so he fucking anyways no all right okay. <laughs> i'll leave my theories till the end but <laughs> he describes seeing beings looking through the binoculars all the details of this part are pretty much the same as the original story told to NICAP. He throws in a few differences, same thing. He says that one of the beings he saw on the pancake shape was a redhead, like I said, like an Irishman. Barney says that they're wearing jeans in the second uh, hypnosis session, which I find funny, <laughs> like they're wearing jeans. That wasn't part of the original story. The redhead part wasn't. Is there maybe an Ancient Aliens episode on that where they're like, Jeans are Where? actually from outer space. <laughs> they were never invented on Earth. <laughs> Look at the stitch work. <laughs> Barney starts to remember what happened after the roadblock. So this is the part he didn't do it. So under hypnosis, his stories basically matches what Betty's dreams were, which uh, is also interesting. He says he is in some sort of either drugged or trance state. Barney and Betty's doors open and he feels like he's pulled out of the vehicle by two people who are smaller than him. Then he describes being assisted up a ramp. His feet are dragging. This explains why his favorite shoes are all messed up when he gets back. Barney keeps his eyes closed because he's so scared is what he says this time. At least that's what he says early on. But later on, when Barney mentions that he had his eyes closed, he was told to keep his eyes closed. But I'm afraid to open my eyes because I am being told by myself to keep my eyes closed. 
So he's too scared to open his eyes or he's told to keep his eyes closed. I don't fucking know what he wants to say anymore, Barney, but he's, his eyes are closed. Uh, he immediately thinks to himself that he doesn't want to be operated on, which I find interesting. Then he describes what they did to him. So Betty was the only one who described it in her dream. So he, he what happens to him is first the being separate him and uh, Betty. He's not sure why. He's brought into some sort of operating room, which that's what he calls it, where the beings lay him down on some sort of exam table. The exam table is also too short for him, and Barney's legs are hanging over the edge. He's not in pain. Then he feels something. Well, let's let Barney say this one. I was lying on a table, and I was being turned over, and I felt this thing going into my rectum and it did not pain me yikes he felt something go into his rectum and it did not pain him and then dr simon comes in with a question that maybe you should have asked i'm not sure i don't understand and they do like this experience or they do this like it i got you or not i i'm down i have my soul did you did you like it <laughs> like what the fuck is with this guy oh i know i can tell you all about it <laughs> then he feels then he feels his groin get cold he still has his eyes closed barney admits that at that point to the doctor that he did open his eyes for a few times when he opens them he sees some sort of operating room and he remembers that the man put a cup over his dick did you fear you were going to be attacked in any way no i was laying on the table And my fly was open. And I thought, are they putting a cup around my private parts? Yeah, so that was the cold sensation. Also probably the reason Barney got home and checked his dick. Uh, Apparently the aliens were taking semen from Barney, but he was adamant that he never got hard. Sure you didn't, Barney. (laughs) You don't want to tell your wife you got hard, do you? Then doctor puts something in his ear and he lights it up with this thing. He calls it this thing, lights it up with this thing. Funny, funny thing. He says, <laughs> the doctor's looking over him. Uh, then he really doesn't describe much of what happened to him while on the craft. Just the basic stuff Betty talks about, like the exam table and some weird instruments. I do find it interesting that Barney said that their skin was gray. This is a thing people bring up a lot is like their skin was gray. That's what you mix white and black with. Cause I don't know. It's, all his anxiety for being an interracial couple, apparently. Have you ever seen a biracial person, Richard? <laughs> what I'm telling you right now is that this is what they're saying. I'm making fun of it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will go along with this. <laughs> According to both the hills, the aliens were taking skin samples and they were very interested in the composition of the skin. So they couldn't figure that part out. Betty's hypnosis sessions are pretty interesting in ways too. They pretty much tell the same story of her dreams. A few extra details. Like a, later on the exam, one of the beings came to, back into the room so uh, and then started pulling at her teeth. Betty said, what's going on? And the aliens told her that they were confused that Barney's teeth came out, but hers didn't. And she had to explain the concept of dentures to the beings. She also had to explain the concept of color and time. She was like, oh, I, I like yellow zucchini. They're like, what's zucchini and what's yellow? And he said, if you don't, if you don't come back soon, I'm going to get old or whatever. Like, what does that mean? They didn't understand the concept of like aging. 
She had to explain vegetables. They ask what you eat. So she had an opportunity to make them feel stupid after they made her feel stupid, and she didn't take it. She was too stupid to know that they're trying to make her feel stupid. Just, oh, okay, okay. Just saying Fair it. <laughs> she didn't understand they're making fun of her. <laughs> the map was holographic in her dreams, but in the hypnosis session, it was a bit different. And it was a map of... It was a oblong map. And he said that the heavy lines were trade routes. And then the other lines, the other line, the, 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 the solid lines were places they went occasionally. And he said that the broken lines were expeditions. So now she says it's a map that's like a normal map, but it has a bunch of stars. It's like a star map, and they have a bunch of like lines that go from place to place. Solid lines or trade routes, dashed ones, led to exhibitions, frequently less traveled stars. Apparently, uh, she goes, I could draw the map if you want. And under hypnosis, like automatic writing, she draws the map. Uh, this map gets a bit of steam later. So the map is probably the most important part of this entire uh, thing. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, on October 26, 1965, the Boston Traveler did a story on the Hills abduction. The Hills told their story a few weeks earlier in their church, and someone had recorded them and released the tapes to the media. Betty and Barney were upset that the article was printed because the reporter didn't even interview them before submitting it, and the article was missing way too much background information for them not to look crazy. So this story was picked up by the United Press International, and Betty and Barney got international attention. Betty and Barney were pissed because they didn't want to go public with the story at all, especially the story that Boston Traveler did. So the Hills decide that maybe they should get together with their own person from the media and control the information that way. So Dr. Simon and the Hills give permission to a guy named John G. Fuller to write the book and The Uninterrupted Journey, which includes all the transcripts. Like I said, hypnosis sessions, drawings, UFOs, Betty and Barney drew independently. Barney's drawings of the beings and Betty's star map. That's completed in 1966 and was very successful, having multiple reprints and a mass-marketed paperback. Barney Hill dies not long after this whole thing on February 25th, 1969, of a cerebral hemorrhage. Uh, Betty never remarries, which is just an interesting fact. In 1975, there's a movie made about the Hill's experience called The UFO Incident, starring James Earl Jones as Barney Hill. Carl Sagan talks about their experience on the 12th episode of his show Cosmos. Betty died in her sleep, surrounded by her family in 2004 at the age of 84, years young of lung cancer. She was an active member of the UFO community for the rest of her life. I'm pretty sure I heard on another podcast that Betty claimed that she had been abducted again in her lifetime, but I can't find the source material on that. To Betty, her activism and social work it was the most important thing she did over her lifetime. And that's how she wanted to be remembered. Sorry, Betty, you went 60 years of being a UFO. Like by the end, you were just considered a kook. I read this article about a UFO conference that Betty also attended. She was in her 70s at this point. Uh, they just started talking about abductions and let Betty say her piece. Uh, I guess after Betty said her piece, she left shortly after. And that's when people 
pounced and basically called her a fraud. If you look up Barney Hill's profile online, his profession is not postal worker. His profession is set as hoaxer. Is this an elaborate hoax put on by a few New Hampshireites? Or is this the real deal? Hoax or not, I think we should look at Betty's social work services and give her the credit she deserves because being in a foster care situation would probably not be great if that's what you did your whole life. Good, good on you, lady. Other than that, let's solve this shit, boys. I feel so bad for Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's... yeah, no, like that's the that's the mystery. Why why was Betty treated like such shit? <laughs> I it's just the way the book's written. It's 1966 writing about a fucking hysterical woman. You know what I mean? Like, you feel bad for Betty too. Honestly, I feel like she should have. Uh, but a uh, man, she said she got abducted again and again too. That's the other thing. Like, I couldn't find any on that, but I heard on multiple places that her and Jacques Vallée, which is another UFO researcher, both got abducted together. Like. If this is all true, she made herself, she wanted to be part of that community. So that's what happens. You know, there's no rich UFO researcher. They're all weirdos. But even if they were like faking the whole hypnotism thing and just make it like, that is like quite a story. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that a lot of their shit lined up and I mean, yeah, maybe they talked about it beforehand, but then afterwards why is he like i don't want to talk about it do not release this information and she's like it needs to be out there yeah she was less that more i just want to be able to sleep at night so i need to talk to somebody about it they got leaked to the press by somebody at their church i don't know why they brought it up at church right like i don't know why the fuck they're Mm. both of them didn't want it out there really at first i betty embraced it in her older years like she does seem like a good person but she also does sound kind of annoying like, it sounds like Barney was fed up with her at a certain point. Like I was saying about his eyes closed, he's walking away, and she's calling his name. That just sounds like he's fucking done. And he's like, oh, if I just pretend like I can't hear her. When his eyes were closed, he was walking behind her like a single file on a line up the ramp into the UFO. Okay, yeah, but wasn't she yelling like his name? He was just standing there. He said he couldn't hear her. He's standing there trying to lift his gun. He's looking through one side, trying to lift his gun and shoot the fucking UFO to the sky as she's yelling behind him. I don't know. There's just a lot to fucking take in here. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's it's quite a bit. I mean, I can can just solve this for us right now, like I said. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to wait till the end because it sounds too good. Okay. What about you, Ricky? I'll be here waiting. Yeah, I want to hold off. I don't have a slam dunk solve. I'm still trying to find out more about the dog. Dell's why are you so concerned about the dog because it ties it all together for me it just ties okay. it all together all right because he, okay. he just got a puppy and he's not willing to admit he has feelings <laughs> no, no 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 it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that i have a dog that's just pure coincidence so theory first <laughs> first theory they were actually abducted by aliens so there's a lot of reasons that why this sounds like a credible alien abduction scenario There's also other evidence that there was something in the sky that night. Uh, There were some radar blips at a nearby airport, picked up a bit of action that night. Some people that were sitting in the diner that was close by said they saw some lights in the sky. Nothing as elaborate as Betty and Barney, but they did see something. Hypnosis regression therapy of both Betty and Barney pretty much match each other. So that's kind of interesting, I guess. And then the drawings is what the big thing is that gets people all horned up for this thing. The the map, the drawing of the map. Oh, there's the drawings of the aliens that were drawn by Barney too. There's another guy, I don't know, 
they look like aliens, but that's what we invented to make them look like them. Anyways, uh, sure. The map Betty drew could be interpreted as the Zeta Reticuli, Reticuli Galaxy. In 1968, amateur astronomer, member of Mensa, and Ohio school teacher Majori Fish read uh, The Uninterrupted Journey. And after seeing Betty's star map, she decided to get involved and use the Giles star catalog or Giles star catalog to try and find which galaxy she may have been looking at. The Zeta Reticuli galaxy had just been mapped out not long before, and Miss Fish noticed that they both looked quite similar. And to be honest, they kind of do. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny it. they do look similar, or they did when I first wa- looked at it. And then I watched episode twelve of Carl Sagan's Cosmos, and Carl Sagan tears apart the star map theory pretty good. Let's look at Mister Sagan himself. Tell us why the star map is trash strange window through which you could see a glowing pattern of dots connected with lines it was they told her a star map displaying the routes of interstellar commerce afterwards the hills were released and permitted to return home or at least this is their story now believers find this account compelling or at least plausible chiefly because of the alleged star map here's what betty hill said it looked like Now, why would anybody take this seriously? Because here is a real map, widely publicized by UFO enthusiasts, of 15 selected nearby stars, including the sun, as seen from one particular vantage point in space. This map includes stars that were first cataloged several years after Betty Hill recalled what she says she saw in the alien ship. Her map required, we are told, information that was not then available on the Earth. There is a resemblance between the two maps, but that's mainly because the lines corresponding to navigation routes have been copied from the hill map onto the real star map. If we were to substitute some other set of lines for the hill lines, we find that the eye suddenly is biased against uh, seeing any agreement between the two maps at all. (laughs) To make an objective test, however, let's remove the lines altogether. And then there's very little resemblance left. But these particular stars bunch of are selected dots. from a large <laughs> catalog of star positions. Our vantage point in space is also selected to make the best possible fit with the hill map. If you can pick and choose from a large number of stars, viewed from any vantage point in space you want, you can always find something resembling the pattern you're looking for. I'm surprised that nobody Kinda could find looks a like when I'm tapping the, the pencil against map. my notebook like this. If you connect the hill lines correctly, that's the Galaga character, like symbol. <laughs> I don't know when Galaga came out, but something tells me. Carl Sagan just fucking tears apart the hills map. But a lot of people, for a lot of years, this came out in 1970 or 1981 or something like that. So for about 20 years, people were like, Zeta Reticula, and people still do it to this day, but like, I'm sorry, I'm going to believe Carl Sagan more than fucking Dr. Benjamin Simon. Other astronomers have given credence to the star map even to this day. Sadly, I don't have sound clips of that, just articles from believers who use the word of an astronomer beside their name. Like, cool. If this is true, the drawings were done in 1965, a few years before the Zeta Reticuli galaxy was even discovered. So that's something, I guess. 
Yeah, so let's just talk about hypnosis for a couple seconds. We'll do a little side jaunt on hypnosis. Hypnosis is not a good way to retrieve memories. It's a proven fact. In 1965, they thought it was. But after decades of study, hypnosis has been proven not a good way to get memories. Hypnosis is still used as a psychiatric practice for a lot of things, like reducing pain, quitting smoking, reducing anxiety, treating depression, uh, overcoming fears and phobias, not retrieving memories. It's literally said on everywhere I look up. So we can't really take that for what it is. So how does it how does it work, though, just in general, for all the way that you just said it should work? Not for, you know, getting memories back. But like, how do you get somebody to quit smoking through hypnosis? Uh, you make it taste like shit or something. I don't know. I'm not a hypno- hypnotist. Okay. Yeah, but, but like. I read when, a bunch when, into it and it doesn't work. It just doesn't. People make up. go under, do you know- have to believe at the beginning for it all to even work it's the same with people on stage shows and shit that what they say actually which i found was interesting was that Mm -hmm. smarter people are more apt to be hypnotized which i thought it would be the opposite Yeah, yeah dumb people just can't focus enough on getting into the trance or whatever they're just too stupid to like look around i think what what are we talking about I, apparently, yeah. but it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how hypnotism works. Like I, in a general sense, cause yeah. I was trying to like wrap my brain around it. I, I can help with it. You can make people open a suggestion. Yes, please. Oh. It doesn't. <laughs> it's, re- it's real as aliens. So, so what, so what's the deal with like people like Richard was saying like, Oh, I quit smoking due to hypnotism it's your excuse um, i feel i feel like it's that like you just, okay you pay so much for the hypnotist that every time you think about it you're like it's gotta be worth something i can't smoke <laughs> <laughs> don't pick up that oh, yeah. otherwise it was all for nothing you can't face people and tell them how much money it's gone <laughs> put it this way when you go to a hypnotist to quit smoking you already want to quit smoking so it's probably in your mind you're going to quit smoking anyway it's just that extra push you need to stop smoking right it's kind of like the book that certain people have told me to read like if i wanted to quit smoking that like if you exactly. read this book like i will you will quit smoking right away i'm like well, i don't know though will i yeah it's just i've heard that too paper. that fucking yeah. uh the easy way to quit smoking is that what it's called or something like that or something like that yeah 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 you... in the book it just says get hypnotized <laughs> it says get hypnotized yeah here's a number and you call the number yeah <laughs> for five thousand dollars you can quit smoking today <laughs> how did you hear about us the book <laughs> i i'm gonna go with i don't think they were actually hypnotized but if they were cool like i'm i'm i want to believe this shit i really do but like yeah. this isn't compelling enough for me to want to believe it. This is like a couple people who are like, we'll get into more what how this played out in my opinion or a lot of people's opinion, not just mine. Here's a second theory about what alien abductions actually are, whether it's this one or any other ones. Very vivid dreams during sleep paralysis matched with sleep deprivation. This is what alien abductions could be, especially the case with Barney. Barney worked nights right after his night shift. He drove eight hours to Canada. Then they wake up the next day, spend at Niagara Falls, getting fucking pooched again, probably barely sleeping again. And they're on vacation and a vacation on a whim at that. Barney and Betty could have probably just been exhausted and fell asleep when they pulled over to look at the object they kept seeing in the night. Fell asleep, dreamt a whole bunch of shit, made it all up. 
got back in their car, kept driving. They slept for two hours. Weird. They're missing two hours worth of time. Now, does that explain the, the magnetic thing? Cause that's a real evidence. Cause other people saw that not just Barty and Betty or the watches. Not really, but I mean, it sounds way more likely than they got picked up by aliens that they just fell asleep. This isn't my, what I, this is kind of what I think, but not really, but this is, sounds a lot more plausible than beings from another planet, pick them up and put them on a plane to me. Another theory that goes along here, it's kind of along the same lines about alien abductions, is being awake while being operated on. Awareness during anesthesia. Uh, There's a study out there that is disturbing to me, disturbing amount of people who are awake during their anesthesia anesthesia is one in 19,000. So there's about 60,000 people who go under every day in the U.S., That means three people a day are fully aware when they're under anesthesia, but can't communicate that until everything's done. Yeah, that's, that's too many. That's a fucking lot. That's terrifying. (laughs) That is fucking terrifying. (laughs) Fuck that's scary. eh? Imagine being like, uh, you can't do anything. You're just like, he cut my liver out or whatever the fuck. I mean, I mean, I might never be afraid of anything ever again, though. Like, (laughs) you might be the best medicine I've ever had. (laughs) I truly put that like, oh, my heart came out of my chest. What's this fucking roller coaster or whatever? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> According to the study, there's a count for some of the alien abductions over the past few years. Nobody that was pulled in this study said they felt like they were abducted by aliens, but it makes a lot of sense. They suggested that Barney was just remembering his tonsillectomy and relaying it as a, tra- a traumatic memory or a trauma memory. Uh, trauma memories are not encoded as logical narratives but as globs of sensation. So if you see someone wearing scrubs, you could be transported back to where you were terrified. You wouldn't think of exactly what the situation was. You just see that and it triggers you like PTSD, right? He didn't want to be operated on. His eyes were closed. Then he woke up there. Everything's distorted with people working on him, bright lights. Uh, He must've been terrified. That mixed with the pattern where the mind falls and fills in the blanks, patternicity. So this is uh, where mind fills in the blanks to help you figure out something that happened so like that's a real phenomenon too so you see a d and f your brain just fills in b c and e just to make the whole thing make sense in your brain so if you just are having this trauma memory you see lights blowing down on you guys in scrubs and all this and then you hear betty talking about alien abduction and then you go into a hypnotic state and you go i remember everything it's just you're remembering the wrong memory does that make sense to everyone mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, and that, I mean, because that's kind of what I was initially thinking when he was freaking the fuck out in the therapy and everything, is like, that's something else. This could be, he could have, it might not be his tonsillectomy, it might be something else, it might be the government abducted the hills to do some sort of experiments on them. Uh, in the 60s, the government was doing pretty fucked up shit, especially in the US, to its own citizens. We always go back to this, right? With MK Ultra, MK Ultra, yeah, they're doing shit like that, experimenting on people without telling them. This could be they just abducted them for whatever reason. Said, yeah, yeah, we're aliens. Anesthesia, they're awake during anesthesia. Patternicity fucking comes in. It's not really out of the realm of possibility that the government would stop people in the middle of the road, drug them, and do some crazy shit to them, especially in the sixties. And then they remember it, and then they come in and they go, "Tell me your what your what you think you saw." They go like. Oh, I saw this alien fly around. Yeah, Jupiter. And then they write a report about it and it's swept under the rug. It's called like a PSYOP. You know what I mean? You know what a PSYOP is? Mm. Whatever. Psychological operation of some sort. So all this like mixed in with each other. 
the patternicity, the anesthesia awareness mixed in with like trauma memories and the government being fucked up, all that stuff. It sounds like a lot of conspiracy theory shit in a row, but it sounds less crazy than someone getting taken by aliens and then just drop back. You know what I mean? Like to me, that sounds less crazy. What do you guys think? Less crazy that the government might be the ones just freaking them out? I'm thinking big pharma. Or big pharma, whatever. Yeah, it's my guess. I have it's I have a theory. I mean, it's based off the dog, but I have a theory. Okay, let's hear it. I want to hear your theory because it's, uh, what I'm going to move into is a bunch of different shit after this. All right, so I could only, I mean, I don't know how legitimate this is, all right? This is from livingwiththegolden.com. Uh, this is the only <laughs> the only big place I can find. Yes. The right. only place that would justify my theory is the golden. No, the dog. only place that told me what happened to Delcy the dog. Who says I, confirmation bias is real? Look, see, it's with the dog. All I was trying to figure out was what happened with the dog. Who goes on a honeymoon, drives somewhere, takes their fucking dog, and then it's like, oh yeah, no, the dog wasn't barking. The dog was just in the car, and then magically the dog is just gone. Right. It's like, so I was like, okay, so the dog died, but what the hell happened? Well, sorry, hold on. And this is a really long article. Half of it doesn't mean shit to me. Um, It just talks about the rest of the story and I'm I'm focusing on the dog part. So they had a dog, they had adopted this dog just six weeks prior to this happen. Okay. And they, they know nothing about the dog. Did you just adopt a dog? Yeah. How long ago? I did. I did not successfully. Okay, but they they know nothing. They know nothing about this dog, right? The after shortly after the UFO encounter, Delcy developed an epidermal fungus infection as well as respiratory problems, which were treated by a vet. However, they didn't really think anything of the illness. And then later, Barney dies of, or well, one of them died of lung cancer, right? Yeah, when she was eighty-four. Yeah, yeah. And then there was this weird there because of the focus on like sexual things the claiming of taking semen the claiming of checking she was pregnant my guess is that big pharma was working on kind of like man's best friend but more of like man's best interracial couple friend (laughs) so they did like radiation poisoning with the dog and just mysteriously ended up in the hands of an interracial couple that's why this dog looks like weirdly fucking huge right like there's something wrong with this fucking dog. There's like tumors galore inside it. 100. You see a picture of this fucking dog? It's pretty big for a wiener dog. I agree. It's a wiener dog that she's like manhandling. Just- yeah, but like, you know, they said uh, people, they always say people are like much smaller in the past, right? So like, you know, I mean, people in what? In like the 60s are probably like three foot 11. Yeah, but she said like- the aliens were five foot, five foot four and they're small people. I think she was mm. five four. Maybe, maybe she meant it metaphorically. Like, Look uh, at this fucking wiener dog. All right, I have had a wiener dog growing up. Look at this fucking thing. It's the just stomach alone is the size of her hand. It's just fat though. Yeah, that's a yeah. fat wiener dog. She's pretty big. I agree. I it's a big. It's pretty that big. Thing wiener is dog. fucking huge. Like to get that big. Like, how do you think that that's tumors though? I just think it's some sort of like. Growth or something. So, okay. So let me get to where I was going. So the, the way Jesus, keep on your trail. Living with a golden.com. I lost it. Okay, here we are. Um, so I looked into what is an epidermal fungus infection, and basically it's a, a, like a catch-all term of way of saying like a lot of shit that can go wrong with a dog. But one of the things that falls under, I mean, there's like ringworm and, and other things, but one of them is yeast infections. So I looked into in both humans and dogs, 
what causes yeast infections. And it's a blocking of hormones, right? The body's not able to self-regulate. And in women, that happens when they're on some sort of birth control. So I think Big Pharma was like, hey, I mean, birth control is a hit. Now, how can we spoon feed it to certain populations? Put it in the dogs. They adopt this dog. They got a dog for six weeks. They get picked up and tested. And I, I you know, boom. So much effort for Rick to, to, to avoid saying he loves his dog. <laughs> okay. A, a oh weird contraception from the government. I think it was, I think they were testing like a passive contraception, whether it was to be used in the US or if it was like, you know, some MK ultra level, like contractor thing where they were setting it up and they were like, all right, we're just going to like give it to all the dogs in Ghana, you know, like no more AIDS. I feel like there's better people to do that on though. Cause like Barney was 39 and she was four, like Betty was 41. Like, I don't think they're, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they weren't targeted specifically. Maybe the, just the dog was, and they were like, all right, let's just see who adopts his dog. Who's right. a lucky winner. Fair enough. Okay, that's a weird one. And for like some it. reason, fucking Betty and Barney walk in. They're like, give us that one. Give us the, the one that looks like it is just going to keep fucking growing nonstop. <laughs> or maybe it was the, the racial aspect. Like, ooh, we don't want them two to make a kid. Give them the contraceptive dog. Give them the black one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. Well, that's an interesting theory, and I'm, I'm it's on the table. Big Pharma contraception dog contraceptive dog then they figured out condoms like this is way easier <laughs> just yeah they're like oh we don't we don't need to use radiation no we don't need to use it fucking lambskin we're killing all these lambs but also the 60s was like the pharmaceutical boom that was when they were like doing all these crazy experiments and they're like fuck it let's see what we can we can pull together that's fair enough i like that one it's perfect spot for it because my theories go off the deep end a little bit here too well one of them's really good this don't say two mine was not off the deep end mine was all facts yeah all right. okay. i just put it together you brought up some sketchy article listen if you can find an article that tells me how this dog <laughs> dies great I'll, i mean maybe we find the original like vet and call for records i'll do you one better i'll find you an article that says that dogs can be used as a contraceptive i just no i think the dog was used <laughs> I think the dog was used as like a, a nuclear insemination device. Oh, that's less crazy they just than use, what I said. They use like radiation to like alter their, their hormones. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Richard, how, how do you think dogs are contraceptive? Uh, I don't want to say. Oh, I'll say it. When you're like mid-fucking and it walks in and licks you on the ass and you go soft instantly. Soft. Wait a minute. So... <laughs> Yeah, Rick, that's going to happen to you. <laughs> During your searches, did you find anywhere where it talks about how the dog died? Or is it really just like, how did this guy living with golden.com or girl, I don't know, how did they find this out? I need to know. I don't know. But all I know is that Delzy really just stayed in the car. Delzy kind of gets out of the story pretty quick. But like, they weren't even making the accusations that I was. They were just like, uh, this UFO story has been talked about enough, but you know, what happened to the dog? And the dog got this fungus infection and died. And that was the end of it. Like, they didn't do... First the thing first, Rick. Only a beautiful mind like you could come up with a contraceptive dog, Thank okay? You. So there's no way that they were thinking of that at all when they, they just wanted... They're like, people like details. Let's talk about the fungal infection the dog had. And then you're like, radiation, 
kill the eggs, kill the sperm. Everyone's not pregnant. Listen, if I, if they were like adopted the dog from me and they had it for six weeks and then this UFO abduction happened, now I'm like, you guys still cool with having that dog or should we find a new home for it? And then it dies. I'm like, I'm asking questions. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this like just a cover-up to kill your dog? What the fuck's happening? That's fair. I, I, I'm not discounting it. What I'm saying, it's on the table. But I just want to know why no one else was asking the question except for living with the golden.com. Well, you that's know? why I'm saying how credible is it? Well, that's not the credible part. It's like the insanity part of it. How insane is it? Well, why would you lie? It's so specific to be like the dog died from a fungus infection and not draw any weird, like, you know what I mean? Didn't you but say it, that it survived? They treated it and it lived on? No, no, no. It didn't live on. It died from that. Yeah, it could be the pink powder, too. Oh, shit. <laughs> or maybe the pink powder. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now you got to rethink it. <laughs> yeah. We'll go to the next one. Spores. 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 That's right. That's why it was a fungal infection. Okay, so next theory. This one's made up by me. Betty wanted to one-up her sister. So Betty makes the whole thing up to up her sister's story on seeing a UFO. Oh, yeah, you saw a UFO? I was raped by one. Is that, is that the whole Who got theory? more what? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> so maybe maybe not maybe not raped. Okay, maybe not raped. But Barney was raped too. Right, Barney? Right? Yes, honey, sure, whatever. I was raped. Thinking that, like, if he denies this, uh, they'll fight for hours and his ulcers hurt. Uh, and he's just not in the mood. And uh, she notices his annoyance. Show them the warts, Barney. If it wasn't alien abduction, Barney, then where did you get the circle of warts, Barney? Okay, yes, Betty, it was aliens for sure, not whores. I promise I haven't seen a whore since we freed Europe from the Nazis, Betty. Hypnosis is just him mixing up Betty's dreams with reality to make everyone happy in the end. That's one of the theories that I came up with. Just like, just did they have the strip clubs in Niagara Falls at that time? Could you look that up quickly? Or uh, I'm gonna go with probably. Yeah, strip clubs are forever, my friend, especially 1960s. All right. That's a plausible theory. Wait, what are what are sixties strip songs? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) Whoa, Black Betty! Black Betty was a cover a few times. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think of that. (laughs) All right, here's the here's the theory I like the most. RJ can give us is at the end because I'm sure it's uh, another. Really good one. So right one. It's probably the most spot on. (laughs) So theory, it was all a dream and memory is fucked up at best. Um, So Dr. Simon, even though this case got him famous, went on to say that this entire abduction experience wasn't that at all. It was just Betty's dream mixed in with Barney's fear of being an interracial couple in the 1960s. Uh, He always thought it was interesting that the aliens were gray mixture of white and black and that the aliens were taking samples of both their skin, which Betty claims they were interested in the composition of a quote from Dr. Simon, when he went on the today show with Betty to recount their experience quote, a marked anxiety he had of being a black man in a white culture. Uh, He claims it was never Barney who claimed to have been abducted by aliens, just Betty, but Betty's nightmares had to be the thing that fed the extremely dreamlike narrative of her alien abduction. When asked by the Today Show host if the abduction was fantasy, Dr. Simon said, I concluded that it was a fantasy as you put it. In other words, that it was a dream. The abduction did not happen. I feel quite confident that there was a whole experience 
and an experience with a UFO, if we clearly define that, it does not involve visitations from outer space, but it does involve seeing the object which cannot be identified at the time, whatever it is. I think that did take place, but from there on, I think that's largely a dream. Now, he even alludes to it during Betty's second hypnosis session, but Betty is not having it. Listen to Betty here. He tells her, like, did you think this might be a dream, Betty? Whoa, it's 8.40 p.m.? How the fuck did we get here? I, I'm sorry. We're almost done. We podcasted our way here, pal. We just lost some time. I, I've got to go check my dick. I'll be right back. <laughs> his what? His dick. Oh, He's going to check oh, his okay. dick. I see. That's funny. I thought it's a reference to what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. I I thought like maybe you had like a dip in the oven or something, and it sounded like yeah, that. I've had, my dip, I've had my dip in the oven for two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. And the recording stopped, and, and I put it on five hundred for three hours. <laughs> the homemade dip. That's what happens. Now, do all these things that you see she's kind of like hinting towards like you said your dream to barney and barney's just like kind of relaying the dream she's like no it's not so memories are very dependent on how much you're paying attention when you need to remember something uh they're easily distorted by stress as well sometimes your memory can just make shit up to fill gaps patternacy like i talked earlier then there's barney's account a few things that stick out that i want to talk about all barney's hypnosis sessions are pretty much the same as their memories of the events and Betty's dreams. So Betty's dreams are pretty much the same, except for Betty has way more detail until they get into the exam rooms, then they change a little bit. The descriptions of the beings were similar to the descriptions of the aliens on a recent episode of The Outer Limits. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. The episode was entitled The Bolero Shield. And here are some photos what the aliens looked like in that, if you guys want to see some. So, yeah, this is what the aliens look oh, like. Oh, for fuck's sakes. In the Bolero shield. It's the exact same thing. Basically, right? Gray skin, slanted eyes. This is the first time the aliens wrapped around with an almond shape that I could find. I was looking for that. I guess the first time, like, that shape of eye go that wraps around the side of a head was ever had. Before that, it was always, like, different kind of aliens. I've never seen one like that before. I went looking, too. Now... The second thing that sticks out, like I was saying earlier, is the eyes that Barney kept being obsessed with. Well, I watched the Bolero Shield, and in the episode, they definitely talk about something that is going to blow your fucking minds. I'm pretty sure the eye detail might be from that episode as well. Why do you want me to remain here? Can you read my mind? Even through your shield? read your mind. I cannot even understand your language. I analyze your eyes in all the universes, in all the unities beyond the universes. All who have eyes have eyes that speak and all speak the same language. How can you speak my language? I learn each word just before I speak it, your eyes teach me. Um, I think with the description and the can you read my mind? No, I look at your eyes. Uh, let me tell let me tell you a little thing. The Bolero Shield 
aired on February 10th, 1964. This was exactly 12 days before Barney went in for his first big regression session. It's not crazy to believe that Barney is mixing the alien from this episode up with the memories of Betty's dreams as a guide. The look of the alien's eyes thing makes so much sense after you see that and you hear that episode. Literally 12 days before, I don't know. I think he's just mixing it all up. And I think Betty just has her dreams. I think that's where this whole thing comes from. Could you imagine you watch a TV show or movie or whatever it is? And then literally a few weeks later, you're like, holy shit, that happened to me. And you just somehow forget that you watched that entirely. Well, it's not that you forget. It's it's mixed in with a memory from another memory. So it's not the same anymore, but it's the same. You know what I mean? It's not that you're remembering that fucking alien. The whole point of that episode of the Outer Limits is that this alien comes down because he kind of shoots a laser in the sky and he comes down and the alien has a shield surrounding him. And he's like, I don't want to take my shield off because I don't know what your guy's weapons are. You shot that laser in the sky. You almost hit me. So I want to come down and investigate, but I'm not going to take And the whole episode is them trying to convince him to give them the shield so they can use it for defense of earth, but they do it by force. They trick him to take it off and then they steal it from him and kill the fucking alien. Right? So it's not the, the episode isn't the same as what happens to them, but the details of what the aliens look like and how the aliens are like communicating are pretty fucking close to the same. Like that's to me, Betty has her own. They're talking English, whatever. Barney fell asleep in front of the in front of the TV one night, watching a fucking episode of The Outer Limits, and like mixed in with Betty talking about the memories to all her friends and shit. Because Betty said she never talked to him about it, but he says in the hypnosis session that he's around while she's telling other people. So he's heard the story a fucking hundred times, guaranteed. So he's just taking mishmash of bits of story plus a fucking Outer Limits episode, and just like I got abducted, guys. And maybe they saw the weird light in the sky. I don't know how to discount that, but the getting onto the ship and everything, mm, outer limits. That's just that. That's what I think. I, I think that's the most logical explanation for the whole thing for me. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've listened to and read a few things about this. and They never went as far into detail as you did. So now it's kind of woke me up to the fact that this is a whole bunch of horseshit. <laughs> nobody got abducted by aliens. See, but I think I think something actually happened to them. I just think you're right that like their memories were polluted and they had some like thought. I don't know. I I I need to know what the fuck happened to the dog for real. Like, I need <laughs> to, oh my god. I need to know like because now when you said like pink spores, like I'm I, oh my god, I'm in. I'm like. Dude, like not far in like a town over there's a, a vet diagnostics lab where they would do testing on animals there just saying oh this just did i figured out what happened to delcy is just it did. from the golden site though no I, no no can... no this is uh this is a real thing that i found it's for real is it from the reddit aliens board no 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 this is from something credible look this is uh right here wait apparently delzy went on to live a long fruitful life lost all the weight took off all the weight <laughs> and, just, and just like and went and went on to, to do uh, like it solved a, a math problem that dogs couldn't solve for for years and it's now a hero amongst the dog people and now it's brown no 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 no, no 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 she was sick and then she got better and shed off all the black gross hair and now she's Whoa. beautiful. And she grew a dick. Oh, cool. That's nice. Here, let's see what I looked up. 
not letting me. How the fuck is no one asking about the dog? Because like, it. The co- yeah, but the main picture, they're taking a picture with the dog, and not once is someone like, okay, the dog was there. How, like, the dog's just, you got it six weeks before, and now it's dead? Oh, I actually found what happened to the dog, actually, this time. One second, one second, one second. Pull up a fucking photo of Biden or something. No, no, this is real. This, this is real. This is real, I promise. I'm fucking I'm no, no, sick and tired of nobody taking the fucking dog no, seriously. I'm, ta- I'm taking the dog seriously. Look, like, watch, watch. This is very, I'm taking it serious, so seriously. Became an Olympian. The Wiener Olympic event, where Wiener dogs from around the world compete for the title of best of the best, where they may not all be winners, but all are wieners. Okay, I'll save it for you for later. <laughs> so, so you know what's crazy though this, is I'm taking this say, clip and I, I'm taking this fucking uh, URL for everyone. I'm, putting I'm about it to talk about wieners. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Let's say, let's say that you know he <laughs> Barney had this <laughs> this strange idea where he needed to go look at his dick the second he got home. Right? He had some like something he thought about. What if there was testing done on this dog? And they came to like collect the dog because whatever they were testing on it, they didn't want found out. It wasn't supposed to get out. It wasn't supposed to be adopted. It wasn't whatever, right? Stray dog ended up somewhere. It shouldn't have. And they said, where is your wiener? We need your wiener. Entire time it was in the fucking car. But they're just saying, give me your wiener. And Barney is like, sure, here's the wiener. It's better than fucking listening to Betty talk. And, <laughs> and then, you know, the rest... Okay, fair enough. Maybe the We're, dog was just fat and diabetic. That's but why it didn't it die. It didn't die of it died of respiratory issues because of uh, of the fungus infection. All right, RJ, we're peeling around two and a half hours here. Let's see what you got here. All right. Okay. So, Doctor Simon, right? Yeah. Seemingly not so great guy. The most obvious part uh, and most obvious evidence of that is that he's a hypnotist. Okay. That's and true. Hypnotist. <laughs> Factual, factually fake. Scum of the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like I said before, if you're fucking performing it at a comedy club, you cannot pass it off as a treatment for a mental illness. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, just because they say laughter is the best medicine doesn't mean everything you practice in there is worthwhile. (laughs) Like, they don't have fucking like, like, have you ever heard anybody being like, oh, come catch me at McGoobie's next weekend. I'm opening for Carl, the crazy chiropractor. Cracks <laughs> <laughs> backs for 50 minutes. What's your name, sir? Get up here. Yeah. <laughs> you need an adjustment. It's obvious what he did. He, he, did, uh, he did an inception. He did an inception. Okay, so what is that? Put it in their head to get to get himself some 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 you know some street cred, some credits, because he was he was sick and tired of featuring and he wanted a headline. So he he made up the whole story for them and then let them go tell everyone and then denied it after so he could be like now they're just crazy so he could get some cred. Okay, that's as possible as anything in this, honestly. Really, it is like he could have been fucked with these people. He've heard they they tell the story, and the, the notice how the first few fucking sessions aren't recorded. They're just to get them in a trance. Maybe that's him planting the story. I agree. That's actually not terrible theory. That's not a fucking. Mm-hmm. It's not. It has nothing to do with spores or wiener dogs 
So here's the thing. They got the dog six weeks prior to <laughs> oh crossing my the border. God, with no, the listen. Dog. Prior to crossing the border, now I haven't paid for this book, so I can't see the whole thing yet. But prior to crossing the border from New Hampshire, well, I mean, they drove through New Hampshire, whatever, they went up to Canada. So I'm reading a very small tidbit from page 96 of the book, Captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, 60th anniversary edition. Um, and it said, The Canadian official of the customs building did not look at my car, just the dog. And if we had papers proving that we had brought the dog into Canada, what if the reason the dog looks so crazy fucking inflated? Like they took this picture to prove that they had this dog and they brought it across the border. What if they're just like smuggling drugs or some shit sewn up inside the fucking dog? Maybe Delzy was actually just an alien in a dog suit. And that's what it was all chubby. It couldn't fit in there properly. Like it was five foot four and that little fucking. And it was like. The dog suit was his little shield thing. Yeah, could be that too. That sounds just as plausible as every other thing you've said. <laughs> Listen, the key the key to these weird fucking stories is always the most mundane thing because it proves something. Like, why did they bring their dog with to Niagara Falls? Right? Why wouldn't they? Who could look after it? Her sister. Rick's like, who could ever care about a dog? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense to travel. You got a dog six weeks ago. You're going to travel cross country with it. It's then some crazy event's going to happen. The dog's going to be in the car. You're not going to think anything of it. Okay, Let's so relax. You it's cared about, three states. Chill. You cared about you cared about the dog enough that you had to bring it with you on your your honeymoon to travel that far, right? Okay. Then this UFO abduction thing happens, and you're just like, oh yeah, the dog just was in the car. Yeah, it was just in the car. Oh really? Because you gave a shit about it when you decided to take it with you a couple states over. But the aliens come knocking, and you're just like. I, we just forgot about the dog. I don't know. Like, I got a, I got a legit question for you. Who's watching your dog right now? My girlfriend. Listen, it's obvious as shit that that dog was stuffed with something. All right. If somebody comes in and stuffs my dog with drugs, I'm going to fucking know. I'm not going to just casually hold it for a fucking family photo and act like everything's okay. All right. Really, this boils down to like, did I get abducted or not? I was wet. Still wet. You can tell by my grease on my forehead. I don't know. From what Barney said, he kind of enjoyed the whole probing situation. So <laughs> I feel like there's something that he's hiding there at the end of the day. That's true, too. Oh, no. Don't tell them the story. Don't tell them that I liked it up my butt. Literally, literally, I didn't put it in the theories, but it could be just a drug-filled weekend with two fucking newlyweds. Like, it literally could be that, too, where they went and got hookers in Montreal. Montreal's known for fucking strippers and shit, and they just... It's a haze. And then when they went and got hypnotized they just like that's how they remember it someone put something in my butt and there's a cup of my dick i don't remember my navel watched... my navel don't come on my navel in my face they just got mixed and they watched the, the outer limits episode the week before exactly exactly did um, i get abducted or not uh i i feel like i got fucking abducted <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are you did. wet yeah you did yeah yeah, yeah dude. you did you got abducted um, good. I abducted you good. <laughs> I abducted the shit, literally the <laughs> shit right out of you. Oh fuck. Uh hell no, they did not, dude. Come on. It's aliens. That that shit's not real. Uh, what, I don't what, think what, they do, what, what is the what what happened? How did I get here? On this show. Uh someone came and said, Hey, do you want to be on a show? Mm -hmm, yes, and I'm an eager attention whore, but Aside from that, 
You wanted to find out what happened with the Suicide Bridge dogs. Oh, that too. Well, we did. We did. Uh, what the fuck was that one? Um, oh, yeah. The blue. We're do, we did Roswell. Yeah, or not Roswell. Yeah. The Was it Roswell? It was one of the two. Roswell. Yeah, one of the two. Well, either Roswell or Air, it was Area 51. I remember because I don't, I don't retain anything about aliens. I was, I was the wrong person to bring along for a three-hour alien podcast. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I, this is all about the, the laughs, my friend. The... You did plenty of that. Do you got any good theories there, Bobby, before we uh, shut it out? Uh, no, just uh, like I, I totally believe the fact that they were just fucking way too tired and just yeah. started fucking just fucking passing out and making shit up in their own heads. And then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be attention horse like RJ too. And we're just <laughs> like, hey, we get famous for this. I don't think that's the case. I literally don't think that they wanted all the attention that they ended up at first, I know that Betty took it. Once James Earl Jones was playing her husband, she was flicking the bean off of that for no guarantee. But before that, I think before it all the book came out, I think they were kind of pissed that it came out. But it did what it did, and they she had a life that she had. And like big ups to these people. Like honestly, this is modern folklore shit, and this stuff's like a new thing. Like this is very rare. So for them to come up with it, you know, I f- I find that fun. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with the whole story. I just, I don't think it actually. If happened. anything, like it's a great story at the end. Yeah, of the day. I, I and I like that. That's, that's awesome. That's permeated like worldwide. It's like uh, when you say alien abduction is the first thing people think of is like anal probes or like the dog. Uh, nobody thinks. The nobody dog. thinks of the dog. <laughs> Stop bringing dog. up the dog. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Now, every right. time you tell this story, you're gonna have that one key piece of information. You're like, yeah, but what happened to the dog? I remember not like, oh. at all. What happened to the dog? I literally, I literally played you a clip telling you exactly what happened to the dog. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The dog just sat there and barked a bit. Yeah, that's not what. Uh, but uh, no, I mean after Be- what Beagle BeagleEyeNews.com says, pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I I do like the story, and I'm glad that they did. They got in, like, made up a new thing, which is alien abduction, and it stuck, and they'll be forever remembered for it. So, if at least that, the story is awesome for me. So, whether it's true or not, well, let's that's I know for a fact it's probably not, but I can't say. Sorry, I know for a fact it's probably not. Isn't really I know for a fact. I know (laughs) that it's probably not, but I hope it is, and that's where I'm. I like it. I like it laying in that like maybe, but I tongue in cheek maybe. That's where I like it. I concur. I'm glad we're all on the same page. It was the dog. No, okay, it was the fucking dog. It was a fu- <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's just say it was the fucking dog. Say that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That funny? Rick could be fucking happy before we all leave here. If this if this releases and like it's only 40 minutes long and it's just a dog. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for yeah. But okay, dog. just imagine that we fucking break this case wide open. You. Even two months, Netflix is gonna make a fucking Chelsea Hill fucking documentary. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! I think I was still abducted and I think uh, I'm the real first person because they lather you up in oil and you don't come, I promise. Just like Barney. Never got hard once. Right, RJ? <laughs> <laughs>